Happy Memorial Day weekend, everybody. It's Jimmy T, the host of Radio Connection Live, the podcast. Thank you guys so much for checking in this weekend. Hey, listen, me and the gang, we're all out doing some barbecuing and some hanging out with our friends and families. So while we're gone, why don't you guys enjoy a little pre-recorded show that we call The Best of Radio Connection Live. On this week's show, we're listening to KMOX's tornado coverage of the tornado that hit... um, last week so we hope you guys will enjoy that and then join us back the following week for more great radio moments we'll continue with part two of our summer inversion series and a whole lot more so make sure that you stay tuned for that in the meantime have yourself a great safe holiday weekend and enjoy the best of radio connection live 10 9 8 7 6 Five, four, three, two, one. So what do you get when you take a bunch of radio freaks, set them in front of live microphones, and let them talk about radio? Well, you get the coolest show about the radio on the radio. Broadcasting from RCO Plaza, this is Radio Connection Live, the podcast where AM is analog, FM is king, and the smart speaker has taken the place of the terrestrial radio as the listening apparatus of choice. It's your show worldwide, and we want to hear from you. We're on Twitter at RCL The Podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Radio Connection Live or email us at rclthepodcast at gmail.com. And now, get ready to become involved in the very latest in broadcasting news, entertainment, and just plain fun. Here are the stars of our show, Preston, Tim, AJ, Ashley, Darnell. And put your hands together for our host, Mr. Jamie T. Happy Memorial Day weekend, everyone. I'm Jamie T, and welcome to the best of Radio Connection Live. We're not here this week. We're off spending the holiday weekend with our friends and families, so we brought you a couple of very interesting pieces of audio that we've compiled into a best of episode of our program. We will return next Monday, the week after Memorial Day, with a brand new show live just for you. We begin this week, as of yesterday, this past Tuesday, if you're hearing this as it's being recorded. An elementary school in Texas is the setting for our first story, where 21 people, 19 children, and two adults lost their lives to a school shooter. Station WOAI in San Antonio, Texas has the story. Unavailable. Tuesday, May 24th, 2022, 7.34 p.m. 
Let's go back out to News 4, continuing coverage from the scene uh, in Uvalde. This is live coverage on News Radio 1200 WOAI. Uh, just about 16,000 people an hour and a half west of San Antonio who have just been hit with a horrific massacre at an elementary school. Rob Elementary, again, second to fourth grade. We're talking young, young children here. And, and this just evokes the horror of places like Columbine, the places, the shootings that unfolded in Parkland, Sandy Hook Elementary, of course, especially top of mind. And when you think of an elementary school, you think of this is a place where, where children, students are supposed to feel safe. They're not supposed to be fearful of being gunned down in their own hallways. The governor was giving us some information about the shooter. We're told that the shooter acted alone. He was an 18-year-old, and we're learning more information about him, but essentially he had crashed his car and then came into the elementary school and opened fire. Um, there were two law enforcement that were also hit in the gunfire. We're trying to get some more information on them. Uh, but from a national level, too, uh, the morning, the tragedy is not felt here in Texas, not only felt here in Texas, it's also felt on the national stage. We're seeing flags at the White House flying at half-staff. Uh, the morning, the depth of the grief is not just felt here in Uvalde. It's felt all the way uh, across the nation. I am going to step out of the way for just one moment because I wanted to illustrate uh, the amount of law enforcement that are still here on scene. Um, you can see them gathering. We're talking ATF, the FBI. We're talking Border Patrol. Uh, you know, despite the weather that's rolling in, this is a massive investigation that is just starting. It is just uh, beginning as they look for answers. Um, and again, we are standing by for a press conference. We are awaiting more information. But something that did come through loud and clear uh, earlier is the need for blood. So, uh, you know, we are told University Health is asking for blood. Go to universityhealthsystem.com to sign up. We know Texans are generous and they step up in moments of tragedy. So please visit their website for that. But right now we are going to that press conference with Jordan Elder. Hey, Jordan. This is live continuing coverage on News Radio 1200 WOAI. We'll hear from the news conference momentarily on the comments and the very latest. But our breaking news at this hour is that multiple reports that there are now 18 uh, children dead as a result of today's shooting at Robb Elementary School and three adults. Melissa, good evening. Good evening, Simone. Yes, we are waiting on that press conference, waiting for more details. But happening right now, we are seeing the community coming together in Uvalde. A vigil happening there, Zach Hedrick there. But we are learning that there will be a vigil happening here. Last Chance Ministries will be holding a prayer and a worship service tonight. They're at Last Chance Ministries on the city's west, west side along Brady Boulevard. The vigil starting at 715, the community in mourning, the nation in mourning as President Biden ordering the flags at half staff. Mayor Ron Nirenberg asking the San Antonio community to display the flags at half staff as well. Again, we are waiting on that press conference in Uvalde that will be happening shortly. Jordan Elder there. And at that press conference, though, this is we are expected to be updated on potentially more victims. Just absolutely heartbreaking. We are awaiting that press conference. And House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, she just issued a statement a short time ago saying just moments ago in part quote this monstrous shooting stole the futures of precious children who will never experience the joys of graduating from school chasing their career of their dreams falling in love even starting a family of their own absolutely heartbreaking that's the latest here at the live desk
Thank you, Melissa. A lot still unfolding in this developing tragedy. In All right, uh, live continuing coverage, News Radio 1200 WOAI. We are rolling on uh, with our uh, wall-to-wall coverage in the aftermath of today's shooting that now reports say left 18 children dead and three adults. Other victims still hospitalized and being cared for at this hour following a shooting that took place at midday today at Robb Elementary in Uvalde, about 85 miles or so west of San Antonio. These were second graders uh, through uh, fourth grade or so, uh, usually ages 7 and 8, and fourth graders maybe 9 and 10. Uh, just over 520 students attend Robb Elementary. Classes were set to end there on Thursday for summer recess. And today's shooting taking place at midday, just two days before the school year was to come to an end. And uh, this uh, shooter, it all began with uh, an 18-year-old shooting his grandmother before then getting into a chase and opening fire on law officers and then entering the school and opening fire. He was a high school student at Uvalde and most likely had attended elementary school in this same building. Again, uh, the uh, story continuing to unfold this evening and just horrific news out of Uvalde. Help is uh, arriving in Uvalde from around the state and around the country. Uh, you're listening to live continuing coverage on News Radio 1200 WOAI. Uh, we will hear from President Biden coming up at 7.15 or so, our time, the central time here in Texas, as we continue to provide the reaction from today's shooting. Uh, earlier today, State Senator Roland Gutierrez said that the mass murder had left people in that community simply devastated. It's a beautiful, beautiful small city of a few thousand people you know they're just good folks and to have this kind of tragedy befall them is just heartbreaking and again uh, senator ted cruz also had this reaction we need to devote far more law enforcement resources to stopping violent criminals preventing these kind of absolute acts of evil and uh, Vice President Kamala Harris also had reaction this evening while speaking at a pre-scheduled event. The Vice President said action needs to be taken. We have to have the courage to take action and understand the nexus between what makes for reasonable and sensible public policy to ensure something like this never happens again. Now let's go back out to News 4. Simone Alba on the scene in Uvalde. San Antonio's Robin Ogenye. She is at Uvalde Memorial uh, Hospital. And, and Robin, when we had checked in with you earlier, something that stuck with me, the power of what you said was there are parents desperately searching for their child still. One of them, 10-year-old Ileana. We wanted to check in with an update. Good evening. That's right, Simone. I mean, can you imagine just looking for your child, your niece? We talked to two of her aunts earlier, and as of now, they have not located her. I am going to check back in with them in a little bit, though. So it's just been such okay. a long, difficult day for so many people here. Um, and, you know, this has been a developing story, so it seems like we're getting new updates by the minute, it seems. That's why it's been somewhat difficult to pinpoint exactly how many people are now just injured and being treated for their injuries, how many people are in critical condition, how many people are in stable condition. We're working to find that out, and believe you me, we're going to let you know how many people as soon as we find out. We're going to update you on air and online. But yes, uh, they are still looking for
14-year-old Ileana, and we'll let you know when they find her. Back to you. Robin, thank you. We appreciate your coverage. Also did want to mention one more time, uh, University Health is asking for blood. They're asking for you to please step up. Texans, San Antonians, if you can, please donate blood. UniversityHealthSystem.com if you'd like to sign up. And we are standing by for a press conference. Uh, I want to stress very much that these numbers are fluid. So far, the information we have that there are 15 people dead, 14 of them students, one of them a teacher. Uh, but again, we are standing by for more information in this press conference. So please continue to stick with News San Antonio. We will bring you the very latest from Uvalde after the break. All right. Uh, continuing coverage on News Radio 1200 WOAI. We're partnering with our news partners over at News 4 to bring you the very latest in wall to wall coverage on this horrific uh, uh, scene today in Uvalde, Texas. It happened at midday uh, as uh, students at the elementary school at Robb Elementary were were there just before noon when a gunman burst into their school. Uh, there had been a chase earlier, and then, uh, again, what took place. Uh, there are numerous reports that 18 are, children are dead and three adults wounded. Uh, we expect to hear more on that during the news conference that is coming up. Uh, we're told within the matter of minutes uh, when that does occur we will take you there we will have have live coverage of that uh, we also will have live coverage uh, of uh, the uh President uh, Biden's address to the nation this evening that is scheduled for about a half hour from now. When that does occur, uh, we'll have that live for you as well as we have continuing coverage uh, throughout the evening, the very latest uh, in the aftermath of uh, today's shootings. And, of course, we'll have uh, coverage and updates through the night and uh, full coverage tomorrow morning as well as uh, we come together to support our neighbors in need in Uvalde, Texas, just 80 miles west of San Antonio. Uh, this small community, the elementary school with 520 students, again, rocked uh, by the uh, what took place today, the, the tragic news of a shooting inside their school. Many students were hospitalized. Uh, at least one student, a 10-year-old and a 60-something-year-old woman, uh, were uh, flown to San Antonio's University Hospital. Jim Lefko from News 4 reported a third victim might be flown to San Antonio as well. And we had had uh, reports of numerous other victims also at uh, the hospital in Uvalde. Let's go back out to News 4 now and have continuing coverage, very latest now, back to the News 4 newsroom. It can be extremely chaotic, extremely confusing in those early moments for law enforcement and first responders. So much is happening. Families of victims and survivors often feel like they're having to wait forever to hear from police about what's unfolding. So to better understand how this all plays out, we want to bring in an expert uh, as to why this is this way. On the phone right now, we're joined by Bill Godfrey. He's the lead instructor for Active Shooter Leader Management. Mr. Godfrey, thank you so much for joining us. Well, it's my pleasure. It's a sad day. It's an extremely tragic day um, on, that we are all, unfortunately, all too familiar with as we see these often play out in front of us uh, unfolding live. Um, what is your experience in terms of if walk people through those early moments in terms of when uh, law enforcement get those initial phone calls, arriving at the scene, uh, how that plays out? Sure. So obviously, there at some point there's going to be a 911 call generated, and that's going to cause a, a, a response. Uh, responses to active shooters tend to be a lot of responders and a lot of people very quickly converging on the scene. The priority number one is to neutralize the active threat. Uh, priority number two is to then rescue the injured, and that includes getting not only that emergent 
stabilizing care to them, but also getting them off the scene into an ambulance and to a hospital. And then priority number three is to clear the rest of the facility to make sure that there are no more threats uh, that are in hiding and to make sure that there are no injured remaining. Uh, so the first part going through and neutralizing the active threat typically happens pretty quickly. Um, the rescuing of the injured can take a little bit longer. That's one of the places that we focus on in training is how to manage that clock. And then once all of the injured are off the scene, then it becomes a, a very much uh, slow and methodical law enforcement mission to clear the facility and make sure they haven't missed anything. Mr. Godfrey, we really appreciate your perspective, especially when it comes to the perspective of law, hey, Allie, what's happening law next? enforcement sorry, right now who are giving us this update. This is live in Uvalde as we're getting our update right now from Uvalde police and the school district on the latest from this school shooting. Let's listen in. I apologize. I did not realize we were not on and you probably could not hear what I was saying. I am Anne-Marie Espinoza, Executive Director of Communications and Marketing for Uvalde CISD. This is a tragic time in our district, so please know the investigation is not complete. We will only be sharing a statement with you, not providing questions. We greatly appreciate your patience and understanding. Here to share a statement and not take questions is our Uvalde CISD Chief of Police, Pete Arredondo. Thank you. Good evening. Uh, again, briefly, as of now, we're still working on this active investigation. Uh, once we're able to provide information to the families, we will do so first and foremost, obviously. Our priorities is to get information to our families um, and, and give them some information. So please bear with us in regards to that. Secondly, once we do get some information that we can release to the public, we will be doing that. So please know once we do get uh, some information, we will share that with you and call another press conference. Um, let me assure you, the intruder is deceased and we are not actively looking for another individual or any other suspects in this case. Uh, we definitely ask you all to keep the family, the families that are involved in your prayers. Thank you so much. Here to provide a statement and not take any questions is our superintendent, Dr. Hal Harrell. Good evening. This was a tragic and senseless event today, and my, my heart was broke today. Our hearts and thoughts and prayers are with all our families as we go through this, this day and days to come. A few announcements that we need to make is beginning tomorrow at 10 a.m., we will have grief counseling and support at the Civic Center for our students, our staff, community members, anybody that needs to come uh, at that time. And we may be there more than one day, may be there several days. Our ROB staff will meet at 8 a.m. At, uh, at the Civic Center as well. We'll begin with visiting with them and uh, seeing what those needs are. School will be closed. We, the school year's done. Uh, we'll have no school tomorrow or Thursday. All activities are canceled throughout the district. Uh, no graduation is on people's mind. We will come out with a, a notice on that at a later time. All the staff members, do, they will report to their campuses, uh, other than Rob campus, which will come to the, uh, the Civic Center. Again, my heart was broken today for a small community, and we will need your prayers to get us through this. Thank you. Again, this is a tragic event in our community. 
We are very sorry that we cannot provide you more information, but greatly appreciate your patience and understanding during this very difficult time. We ask that you pray for all of the families affected. Thank you and be safe. A very emotional superintendent for Uvalde CISD saying they need your prayers right now. Grief counselors will be available on site. The Civic Center beginning at 10 a.m. tomorrow. He did point out that school is closed. It's done for the year. Summer break begins now. They have other things to worry about than graduations and whatnot. So uh, an update there from uh, Uvalde, the superintendent and the school district police chief. We're going to turn things over to weather now with Chris Suchan. Chris? All right, uh, we'll break away from our News 4 coverage uh, for the time being. I'm Brian Gann, Margo Moreno, Joy Bergen, Carrie Lockie, all here uh, in the uh, News Center at News Radio 1200 WOAI. And Margo, uh, uh, we, we just heard that news conference, and uh, you could see, while well, we were able to see the video feed that we were getting in, just uh, the, the, the impact uh, this has had on the school administrators. And uh, as we continue to watch that, uh, we just continue to get the very latest on uh, uh, what we know. Again, while they did not give numbers, uh, they did give uh, uh, some information on the fact that school now is over. And uh, for this for the season, uh, it was due to end on Thursday. And as a result of today's shootings, uh, they're telling everyone not to come back to school. Some teachers will be going back in tomorrow. We do expect uh, some more information as the evening goes on. But for now, uh, no more information about uh, the death toll or the injuries uh, that were involved, though there are numerous reports now that 18 students uh, were killed as well as three adults. That is the newest number uh, from uh, the death toll in, in Uvalde this afternoon. As uh, we are watching as well, as uh, there are some storms that are building out in uh, that area of Texas, from Eagle Pass uh, over uh, to the east of Del Rio to, to the west and south of Uvalde, uh, no doubt that is something that we'll be watching as well as the evening goes on because that community has been hit so hard. Of course, this crime scene that is not only in the building, but also on the grounds of the uh, school and then leading up to it following the chase. Uh, law enforcement have converged there not only from the Uvalde area or South Texas, but throughout the state of Texas this evening to continue the investigation into exactly what took place uh, and why, uh, despite the fact that this uh, this 18-year-old had allegedly uh, been involved in a shooting with his grandmother, why, after being involved in a chase, uh, so many people inside the school then died? Uh, again, a lot of uh, questions are being asked this evening as to what took place in the moments after he, he got inside that school. Uh, now, we do expect to hear from President Biden. He's uh, been briefed about the Texas school shooting. He said earlier that prayers are with the families impacted by the awful event. Uh, he is expected to address the nation coming up in about 20 minutes. We will have live coverage of that. Earlier in the evening, Vice President Harris had some response to what had taken place. We have to have the courage to take action and understand the nexus between what makes for reasonable and sensible public policy to ensure something like this never happens again.
And uh, again, she was speaking at a pre-planned event in D.C. tonight. This was not a, uh, a news conference on this uh uh, this tragedy, but did take the moment to say that enough is enough and uh, said that something needed to be done. Also, this uh, reaction uh, stretches across party lines, of course, as U.S. Senator Ted Cruz of Texas had this response. We need to devote far more law enforcement resources to stopping violent criminals preventing these kind of absolute acts of evil. And State Senator Roland Gutierrez agreed, saying it's hit a small community in Texas hard. It's a beautiful, beautiful, small city of a few thousand people. You know, they're just good folks. And to have this kind of tragedy befall them is just heartbreaking. And uh, we will continue to get more reaction throughout the evening. We'll have live coverage of any news conference that takes place this evening. Uh, and uh, continue coverage, of course, throughout the night and tomorrow morning, as we no doubt will have more information uh, as to what led up to today's uh, events and then also what took place inside that school. Continuing coverage, of course, throughout the night and tomorrow morning here on News Radio 1200 WOAI. Uh, Marco, are you able to uh, talk now? I know you were doing some updates. Well, she's not there, so we'll continue to talk as we get ready to go back out to Simone Alba, who's standing by in Uvalde, uh, where today's shooting took place. Now, uh, for those that have just tuned in, this was at an elementary school where some 520 students attend. Classes were set to end on Thursday for the summer recess. We just heard in the news conference that the uh, that the uh, schools will now be canceled the rest of the semester or two days, uh, and then uh, students will be allowed to, to to be at home with their parents and loved ones as to what took place. This was an elementary school, second graders, uh, third graders, and fourth graders uh, at this school uh, in Uvalde. Uh, some of the injured victims have been flown to San Antonio, where uh, two of them, a 10-year-old girl and a, a woman, are hospitalized uh, in critical condition, we're told, uh, at University Hospital. As for University Hospital, they have put out a call asking for help this evening in blood donations, saying that one way to respond to help is to donate blood. They say your donation can help ensure the supplies are immediately available, not only for the victims of this tragic shooting and all the patients, in need of lifeblood supplies, but those who will need them in future days. Uh, they uh, posted information on their Facebook page. You can get more information about that and information about their donor room availability for the rest of the week. Uh, you can schedule the time online. Uh, all of that is available on their Facebook page or at universityhealthsystems.com and a, a link on how ways to give blood. Also, the South Texas Blood and Tissue is also accepting donations, and you can visit the uh, website uh, for that as well for more information and schedule an appointment. They say that blood is needed. It will be needed in coming days. And uh, whether you're in your Uvalde or in San Antonio or anywhere in South Texas, your help is needed. Now back out to Simone uh, Alba in Uvalde from News 4. This is the scene of an absolutely horrific mass shooting today that has left at least 15 people dead. We've learned 14 of them are students, young children, ages, you know, we're talking second, third, fourth grade very, very young. Uh, one teacher was killed.
killed as well. And we are learning that there are others in hospitals. Uh, we're still trying to get a real sense of how many people were injured in the gunfire today that unfolded at this elementary school shooting. Uh, a couple of things that we are waiting for. The president, President Joe Biden, is set to speak right around 7.15 our time. So we are standing by for a press conference. We know that flags are at half staff across the nation, uh, certainly in Texas. And I wanted to share this quote with you from Uvalde's superintendent. I thought it was so powerful. They, they were saying our hearts are broken today. And that could not be more evident standing here across the street from Robb Elementary. There are people around the perimeter, people who live in this neighborhood, people who know these students, who know the families of these students. And everyone is suffering, and, and you can feel it. It's palpable when you talk to people, the fear, the sadness, the depth of the grief. Um, one of the other uh, officials said, we're a small community, and we need your prayers to get through this. Let's go ahead and check in with News 4 San Antonio's Jim Lefko. He is in San Antonio at University Hospital. And Jim, can you give us an update? I know you said there were more victims heading to the hospital. What have you learned? Two more additional victims headed here to University Hospital in San Antonio. Uh, the officials here tell us they do not know when they'll arrive, how they'll arrive, or the status of those two patients. They'll be joining two other patients who were airlifted here earlier today around 1 and 2 o'clock. That was the 66-year-old woman and the 10-year-old girl. Both of them are in critical conditions. Uh, that's the latest from University Hospital. Simone, we'll throw it back to you. All right, and, and just a somber, deeply somber reminder of, of, of the magnitude of what we're dealing with. There is a hearse that has arrived here on scene. Um, it grew very quiet as, as the car came in, a sign of respect um, for the victims who have lost their lives here today. So many of them children, young, young children. And, and you know, this is the reality of the situation at hand. Um, we see the mobile morgue that has been here, and again, in tandem with the hearse, it's a reminder that there are still people, there are families who are still looking for their loved ones. They're possibly still looking for their children. I think of Robin Oguinier, who spoke with a family who is looking for a 10-year-old, looking for a 10-year-old um, in all of this and trying to make sense of where's my family member, what happened, are they alive? Um, and so just to give you a feel for the pain that's taking place here today. Uh, Robert, I wanted to send it back to you in the studio, but um, I can't really describe the emotion when that hearse pulled up. It just fell silent. I'm in a sea of media, a sea of people watching, and, and to see the hearse roll up, it's heartbreaking. A hearse outside an elementary school. Wow. Simone, we will be checking back in with you. As Simone mentioned, the president, President Joe Biden, will be addressing the nation at 7.15 p.m. Central. We're going to stay on the air until that happens. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. So we are continuing our coverage after this. All right, thank you. And uh, this is live continuing coverage on News Radio 1200 WOAI San Antonio. We're coming up on 7 o'clock this evening. Live coverage uh, here in South Texas and around the country tonight on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Brian Gann, along with the entire uh, news team, Kerry uh, Lockie, Joy Bergen, uh, Margo Morano, uh, Michael Board, we are all here, Nick Ruiz, uh, bringing you the very latest in the aftermath of today's uh, today's tragic story that unfolded in Uvalde. Just a short while ago, we had a news conference, and if you are just tuning in, this was what was said during during that news conference uh, in, in Uvalde. I am Anne-Marie Espinoza, Executive Director of Communications and Marketing for Uvalde CISD. This is a tragic time in our district, so please know the investigation is not complete. We will only be sharing a statement with you 
not providing questions. We greatly appreciate your patience and understanding. Here to share a statement and not take questions is our Uvalde CISD Chief of Police, Pete Adorondo. Thank you. Good evening. Uh, again, briefly, as of now, we're still working on this active investigation. Uh, once we're able to provide information to the families, we will do so first and foremost, obviously. Our priorities is to get information to our families um, and, and give them some information. So please bear with us in regards to that. Secondly, once we do get some information that we can release to the public, we'll be doing that. So please know once we do get uh, some information, we will share that with you and call another press conference. Um, let me assure you, the intruder is deceased and we are not actively looking for another individual or any other suspects in this case. Uh, we definitely ask you all to keep the family, the families that are involved in your prayers. Thank you so much. Here to provide a statement and not take any questions is our superintendent, Dr. Hal Harrell. Good evening. This was a tragic and senseless event today, and my, my heart was broke today. Our hearts and thoughts and prayers are with all our families as we go through this, this day and days to come. A few announcements that we need to make is beginning tomorrow at 10 a.m., we will have grief counseling and support at the Civic Center for our students, our staff, community members, anybody that needs to come uh, at that time. And we may be there more than one day, may be there several days. Our Rob staff will meet at 8 a.m. At, uh, at the Civic Center as well. We'll begin with visiting with them and uh, seeing what those needs are. School will be closed. We, the school year's done. Uh, we'll have no school tomorrow or Thursday. All activities are canceled throughout the district. Uh, no graduation is on people's mind. We will come out with a, a notice on that at a later time. All the staff members, do, they will report to their campuses uh, other than Rob campus, which will come to the, uh, the Civic Center. Again, my heart was broken today. We're a small community, and we will need your prayers to get us through this. Thank you. Again, this is a tragic event in our community. We are very sorry that we cannot provide you more information, but greatly appreciate your patience and understanding during this very difficult time. We ask that you pray for all of the families affected. Thank you and be safe. This is live continuing coverage on News Radio 1200 WOAI, the aftermath of today's school shootings in Uvalde. Now back live, here's Simone Alba. Simone de Alba in uh, Uvalde. Robert, that's the second hearse that we've seen come by in, in the next, the last 10 minutes, but we do have a breaking update. This is from uh, Texas DPS. They are reporting 18 people are dead. That is the latest number that has been confirmed from officials. We are standing by for, uh, you know, further information. The president is about to speak. We're thinking right around 7.15, perhaps a little bit later. Uh, but the magnitude of what has taken place when you think of 18 people, we're hearing that the shooter essentially was shooting indiscriminately into this elementary school, Rob Elementary School in Uvalde, just an hour and a half again, west of San Antonio. And we, when you try to wrap your mind around 18 people dead, and, and we think of Columbine, Parkland, uh, we think of Sandy Hook, and you try to understand what took place inside the hallways of this school, the horror, 
that have unfolded for these second, third, and fourth graders. The reality is there are still parents tonight looking for their children. And, and we've seen, you know, Jordan Elder, we've seen Robin Oguinye at places like the Civic Center, um, all around Uvalde just saying, hey, I need help finding my child. I need help finding my niece, my, you know, you name it. They are looking, they're desperate. All right, I just got some information from our producer and we're being told the Associated Press is reporting. One more time, Allie, tell me. 18 children, three adults dead. That is the very latest information out of Uvalde, Texas tonight from Robb Elementary. Again, 18 children dead, three adults is the absolutely horrific information that we are being handed down from Texas state officials as we try to process uh, as this investigation just begins to take hold. Uh, there is a vigil taking place tonight. We were learning from Uvalde, the Uvalde superintendent. He's saying that there is grief counseling. There's gonna be support at the Civic Center tomorrow morning for the students, for the staff, for this community who is just on the tip of the iceberg of the horrific grief, uh, the horrific event that has unfolded here today, which is so hard to wrap your mind around. And something to keep in mind is Thursday, May 26th, was supposed to be the last day of school. So this was the end of the school year for these children. They were probably so excited. Uh, summer was coming, and now we are standing here in the midst of this massacre with hearses rolling down the street, law enforcement everywhere 18 children dead three adults is the very latest information again coming out of Uvalde today uh, Uvalde superintendent saying we're a small community and we need your prayers to get through this news for San Antonio's Jordan Elder on the ground for us here in Uvalde Jordan I know that you're hearing stories you're talking to people who are grieving trying to understand what's going on can you tell us um, what you're hearing on your end Simone, we were outside the reunification center all day today, the Civic Center here in Uvalde, talking to families as they went in and out. Some came out with their child along with them. Some of them have even colored a picture inside that Civic Center in coming home, but that was not the same story for everyone. There are, as we have now confirmed through the AP, 18 families that are going to have one less child at the dinner table tonight as long as three adults who will not make it. So we're still waiting for more information. The school district has told us they will not be releasing any more information this evening. There was a brief press conference just a moment ago where the superintendent did get emotional and said the school year is done. They will not be returning and this tragedy is their main focus right now. The district was set to have a graduation ceremony this weekend. We'll bring you updates on that as well. But for now here in Uvalde, I'm Jordan Elder. Again, as, as we've learned that there are 18 children dead, three adults as well. This is a fluid situation. There's a lot changing moment by moment. And right over my shoulder, we do have an official with the Texas Highway Patrol. And so we were going to try and uh, listen in and see if we can get some information. But again, uh, the press conference, this information has not started yet. But if you can hang with me, I'm going to stand here and talk for a second uh, and hopefully maybe get a mic on him. Guys, do we have one we can maybe get ready? Okay. Um, we also have victims in University Hospital in San Antonio. Jim Lefko has been talking about that. We have four total. Um, a 56-year-old woman, a 10-year-old girl, both of those in critical condition. We're unsure about the other two. Uh, let's go ahead and... Uh,
Yes, but it sounds very muffled, very low. Again, we are standing by. I just want to see if we can catch some sound, maybe get you some more information pretty quickly on the fly for yes, you, okay? Sounds very muffled. Uh, again, the school will be closed, so as Jordan touched on, the school year is over after what has happened. I can hear it, but it's very low. We're waiting for this news uh, briefing that uh, will be from... Uh, all of ours. We'll hear that just moments. This is live coverage from Uvalde now. More information on today's shootings at the Uvalde uh, Rob Elementary School. Live coverage on News Radio 1200 WOAI. Highway Patrol out here as well, um, and we are working working just to get some some additional information. This is Lieutenant Olivares. You know what, while we wait, and again, while we work to get you some information, let's go ahead and toss it over to Melissa Vega at the live desk. Melissa. Well, Simone, we have been monitoring social media, and this is just a, a heartbreaking post that we have come across right now, where a woman on social media is saying that her daughter's teacher um, was one of the ones killed in Uvalde. She says that her um, daughter's elementary school teacher was killed. She is saying that her daughter's teacher was a beautiful person, a dedicated teacher, that she believed in her daughter and went above and beyond to teach her and she says there are no words just a heart-wrenching statement here on twitter let's go so ahead you know and send it back to simone was involved in the with his grandmother earlier on the day when he actually shot his grandmother fled the scene and local law enforcement received a call of a crash and a man with a gun nearby where the school was at and also that's when law enforcement responded to the school the suspect was able to make the entry into the school and started shooting children, teachers, anybody that was in his way, he started shooting every single person. We had several law enforcement officers try to make entry into the school, but they were met with gunfire by the suspect. The suspect was wearing some type of body armor uh, during that shootout with law enforcement. Several officers were shot, and at that time, we did have a tactical law enforcement team arrive on scene who were actually able to make entry and the suspect then returned fire to that actual tactical team in which a suspect was in shot and is now deceased. Right now, at this time, we do have 18 children that are deceased and two adults that are deceased at this time right now. That is uh, Lieutenant Olivares uh, updating media on what they know now uh, from... Uh the state's perspective. I'm going to go ahead and step to the side here while we well, have... You know, for, you know, for sure, talking that one was a teacher, the other dog is a suspect. Um, as far as the type of firearm that was used, we know that it was a long rifle that was used. We have ATF, we have API, FBI, multiple law enforcement agencies on scene working together to try to identify how the suspect was able to obtain this rifle and also, most importantly, to see what kind of motives the suspect had. So we're still working together. Everything is still preliminary. This is still an active investigation right now. You got me, Allie? Thank you, Senator. Okay, so as you just heard, you know, we're learning some information here, but the suspect did have a disturbance with his grandmother. Uh, 
Essentially, he was shooting. Um, he shot his grandmother and then entered the elementary school and where he started shooting indiscriminately there as well. He mentioned several officers were shot. Uh, that's some other information. Again, we knew that two had been hit, but now we have, again, more confirmation that several law enforcement members were shot. Uh, I think that's the biggest takeaway is, you know, we sit here and we, we're talking about the motive and trying to get a firm understanding of what exactly happened here today, what caused someone to come in uh, and, and slaughter 18 children and three adults, what caused them to do that, and, and perhaps something with the family, perhaps uh, a domestic disturbance early on uh, that prompted him to shoot his own grandmother. Uh, so again, as we're out here, at Robb Elementary School, we are processing information. We're trying to bring it to you as soon as we get it. Uh, as it unfolds, there is a vigil happening here in Uvalde tonight. Uh, we're standing by for a press conference. We're waiting for information from President Biden. Uh, no doubt he will be emphasizing a nation's grief, not just Texas grief. As, as we know, we can feel it here in this town of Uvalde. Uh, you can really feel the pain in talking to people, the, the shell-shocked looks on people's faces, the understanding that this trauma is not something that's going to go away anytime soon. This is one of those scars that defines a community that they will have to evolve out of and grow out of and heal from. And so we continue to bring you information. We continue to try to find you answers and facts as to what happened here today. I wanted just to recap. I'm going to step out of the way really quickly again so we can just get a feel of what is happening here on the ground as the day is starting to wind down. Some of the storm clouds have been rolling through. Um, but you can really get a feel for the amount of law enforcement still here, what this investigation is going to look like. It will be extensive uh, with something of this magnitude when you consider the amount of people involved. Um, we did hear from Uvalde superintendent. Uh, we heard that they are going to have grief counseling and support at the Civic Center tomorrow because we know all too well from so many shootings, not only school shootings, but um, we think of Parkland, we think of uh, Sandy Hook where young children were involved. Um, this is trauma that will be with them for a lifetime. And so as we are out here in Uvalde, uh, Melissa, I wanted to send it back to you. We're still gathering information out here on the ground. Right, Simone, and as we are learning, you know, that death toll now 18 children dead and three adults dead. We are learning a little bit more about those victims. There is a mom that took to social media just a short time ago to say that one of the teachers killed was actually her daughter's elementary school teacher. And she said there are no words that this is beyond devastating and that this is my hometown, a small community. I never imagine this would happen especially to loved ones all we can do is pray hard for our country our state our schools especially the family as well so as we are learning more about the victims we will be learning more within the hours within the within the days within the weeks to come we will be sharing more with those victims about those victims sharing their stories just in incredible information um, to take in, but you know, this is kind of just a mother's perspective who her daughter would see this teacher every single day. And she said this teacher absolutely believed in her daughter, absolutely heartbreaking. And we are also learning tonight that the Archbishop Gustavo Garcia Sied, he will be presiding over a mass at eight this evening at Sacred Heart Church in Uvalde. So we are going to be there for that. The Archbishop will be there with priest and deacon 
weekends as well. So we will have a crew at that vigil. Just so many thoughts and prayers support a community standing behind Uvalde, the nation standing behind Uvalde. We are continuing to monitor this live picture out of Washington above the White House where the flag is at half staff. And again, as we've been mentioning, President Biden expected to address the nation a little later tonight. So of course, we will be listening in for that and bring you the very latest. That is the latest here at the live desk. Flags flying at half staff because of what happened today in Uvalde, Texas. As Melissa just mentioned, President Joe Biden will be addressing the nation about this national tragedy any minute now. When that happens, we will bring it to you live here on 4. But for now, we're going to take a quick break. All right, uh, you've been listening to live continuing coverage from our partners over at News 4. I'm Brian Gann in the News Radio News uh, 1200 WOAI News Center, along with Kerry Lockie, Marco Morano, Michael Borge, uh, Joy Bergen, and Nick Ruiz, all covering the very latest on uh, this uh, aftermath of the shooting in uh, in uh, Uvalde this evening or this afternoon. The shooting taking place at about midday, but we're getting more information this evening, including the death toll continuing to rise up to 18 dead, 18 students dead, and three adults dead following the shooting there in Uvalde. Now, uh, the it all began after the suspect in this case, identified as 18-year-old, shot his grandmother and then got into a chase with law enforcement. Governor Abbott was among the first to release that information. He abandoned his vehicle and entered into the Robb Elementary School in Uvalde with a handgun, and he may have also had a rifle. He then went on to say that he and his wife, Cecilia, are thinking of the victims and the families in Uvalde for the senseless crime. He said they mourn the horrific loss and urge all Texans to come together to show unwavering support to all those who are suffering. He says they thank the courageous first responders who worked finally to secure Robb Elementary. And he's instructed the Texas Department of Public Safety and the Texas Rangers to work with local law enforcement to fully investigate the crime. As you heard just a few moments ago, there are a number of uh, local and state and federal officials now on the scene in Uvalde as a result of the aftermath of today's shootings. President Biden is expected to address the nation uh, with reaction coming up just within the next few minutes. When that does happen, you will hear it live. Now let's go back over to News 4 continuing coverage. Simone de Alba on the ground in Uvalde where she just heard from a lieutenant with the Texas Department of Public Safety who was shining some new light and how exactly this unfolded around 11.32 this morning at Robb Elementary. Simone, what are you learning? Robert, I just wanted to recap off the top. The very latest breaking news that we have is that there are 18 children dead. Three adults are dead as well. We know one of those adults is a teacher. Um, and I wanted to take you off the top. So there's been so much information coming through today. So much has been unfolding. And so, so walk with me as I explain what we've learned so far. So earlier, the governor had identified the shooter as 18-year-old Salvador Romas. Now, we just heard from DPS, from officials here, that, that essentially there had been some kind of a domestic dispute with his grandmother. Uh, before he even entered the elementary school, before any of that happened, uh, this 18-year-old Uvalde High School student uh, had some sort of a disturbance with her. He shot his grandmother, got into a vehicle, and then crashed that vehicle. Uh, the shooter then abandoned his car, entered the elementary school with, uh, the governor said, a handgun, possibly a rifle, and he began shooting indiscriminately. Up and down the hallways, again, this is how we, it's hard to wrap your mind around. He horrifically shot and killed 
18 children, three adults. Um, for some context, we've been talking all day about this community, uh, this town of Uvalde. It's just outside of San Antonio, about an hour and a half. 16,000 people, very small community. This is a place where people know everyone. People know their neighbors, and, and there are neighbors standing all around us. Um, just explaining that, hey, we're still looking for someone. We're still looking for a student. Our friend is looking for a student, and we're just here trying to help them find a loved one. Um, there's about 535 students in this school. Very small school as well, and, and you know, when you think of the impact it's going to have, the long-lasting impact on children who are second, third, fourth graders. Um, you know, we're hearing reports from Robin Oginye earlier who said there's 10-year-olds uh, missing. I, I can hear other reporters around me who are talking about, you know, 9-year-olds, 10-year-olds who, who families are desperate. They're coming to the media and saying, please, please put something on air. Please help us find our child. Um, and Robert, I know we are standing by for President Biden, and, and I just think of, um, you know, I know you're local to San Antonio, and I know you, you love Texas and this community, and, and the pain that these people are going to be feeling in Uvalde for for so long, it's hard to wrap your mind around, and they are establishing grief counselors at the Civic Center starting tomorrow, but I'm going to send it back to you in the studio. Yeah. All right, thank you very much, Simone. Yeah, I saw a tweet about an hour ago from someone saying that the students, the high school students in Columbine back in April of 1999 are now in their late 30s, early 40s, and they have children who are elementary school students. So really puts things in perspective. I can say that from experience as someone who was in high school back when Columbine happened. So about an hour ago when we got an update from the school district uh, about the situation, we were speaking to a man named Bill Godfrey uh, over the phone. He's an expert when it comes to these active shooter situations. You know, when it comes to these situations, it can be extremely chaotic, confusing in those early moments, especially for the law enforcement and first responders who are coming onto scene. We've learned that the first responders or the law enforcement actually ended up shooting and killing the 18-year-old suspected shooter. So much is happening and oftentimes the families of the victims and the survivors, they often feel like they're having to wait for a really long time to get new information, to hear from police about what's unfolding. So to better understand how this all plays out, it's our pleasure to bring back in Mr. Bill Godfrey. He is the lead instructor for active shooter leader management. Um, Mr. Godfrey, I apologize for having to cut you off last time, but we were taking that live press conference. Um, I believe you were describing those early moments and uh, what it is like when the police uh, and the first responders arrive on scene and there's still an active threat. How does that normally play out? I, I think your description is really on target when you said it's a very chaotic environment. It is a very difficult, fast-moving, chaotic environment. Priority number one is to neutralize the active threat. If there is somebody actively trying to kill people, to stop that threat. Priority number two is then to treat, to, to reach, or rescue, and treat the injured with the emergent stabilizing care and then get them evacuated safely to an ambulance and off the scene to a hospital. And then priority number three would be to do a systematic clearing of the facility to make sure that there are no other threats that are hidden uh, and no other injured that had not yet been found. And that process can take a very long time. It's obviously still very early in the investigation and information is kind of coming out drip, drip, drip. But we did hear from a lieutenant with the uh, Texas Department of Public Safety. He described how uh, officers uh, engaged the shooter and uh, I believe at least two of their officers were wounded in the exchange. They did end up uh, shooting and killing the suspected shooter, the 18-year-old. Um, is there anything that you're hearing or reading as you're observing what's unfolding here today that stands out to you? It sounds 
sounds like this was a pretty textbook example of a response. I have not had a sense of really how those first few minutes unfolded, yeah. and uh, and that's fairly normal in this case. I will tell you what stands out to me is the casualty count is um, unusually high, is significantly high. Uh, in active shooter events, when you look back at these things from uh, over the last almost 20 years, the uh, median number of uh, people that are shot is four, and of those four, you know, two are killed. So when we're talking into the teens here, uh, that's extremely unusual. We do see patterns when rifles are used that uh, the the casualty counts do end up almost double what they are uh, when it's a handgun. Um, the injuries are just typically more severe, and they're they're um, you know sadly a little bit closer when um, when those rounds hit. So that's the thing that that stuck out to me. Uh, law enforcement officers, when they get on scene of active shooter events, if the gunfire is still ongoing when they get on scene. Half of the time, half of the time they end up in a gunfight with the bad guy. And one out of four times a police officer gets shot. So this is sadly a um, uh, just a compounding uh, common problem uh, in these tragedies. Mr. Godfrey, I wonder, this is obviously pure speculation, but the age of the victims perhaps playing a role in the count in terms of um, the response of a 7-year-old might be different than the response of a 17-year-old in terms of how this played out. So, I, I, are you talking of in terms of their reaction or in terms of the ability um, to carry out such a high body count so quickly? I mean, I, I, I have no idea if that had, would play a role. The fact that these are seven and eight year olds versus high school students. Yes, I, I think you know age does certainly play a factor. The younger the kids are, the more difficult it is for them to rapidly understand what is going on and choose action. Uh, I was uh, talking earlier. Uh, about the difficulty of having those conversations. It's one thing, you know, my youngest daughter, I had these conversations with her when she went into middle school uh, and in middle high school, and we spent a lot of time talking about it. And it's a very fine line between being prepared and having the child be prepared and not scaring them to death in these events. Um, you know, that's a, that's a difficult line for parents to walk. And when you're talking elementary school kids, that is a real challenge, and it's an equally difficult challenge for the schools and the teachers that are in the classroom with them and the administrators that are responsible for those schools. Can you explain the work that you do? Yes. So we are a part of a group uh, that teaches a program called Active Shooter Incident Management across the country. This is a uh, Department of Homeland Security funded course that's provided for free to police, fire, and EMS. We also teach a program called School Safety and Violent Event Incident Management that's taught to uh, both police, fire, and EMS and schools across the country. Uh, in fact, I'm in Wisconsin doing one of those classes today. Uh, and so we bring those groups together and begin to look into scenarios and common things that they can face. Uh, there's some commonalities in, in the challenges that we face as responders going into these events. And so being able to work them through those in scenarios and help them mentally prepare and know what is likely to happen, what to do if, if this happens, you know, this is a, not an option and this is an option. And those are the things we work through, but always with a focus on the clock. At the end of the day, most people, when they think of an active shooter event, they think, oh, we have to get the shooter quickly. And we do, but that's only part of it. 
we also have to rescue the injured very quickly as well. Otherwise, those bullets that the bad guy fired still end up killing. Have you noticed an evolution in the type of training you provide in terms of tactics and uh, the advice you offer over the years? Yes, absolutely. We pay very close attention to lessons learned. Um, our curriculum is updated uh, much more frequently than most of the other courses. Uh, we uh, take a look at stuff almost as it occurs. We're always looking for where can we save time? Where can we be faster? Uh, a lot of people get hung up on the idea of what's best or what's right and wrong. We focus on one thing and that's the clock. How do we stop the shooter quickly and get the injured rescued and off the scene to a hospital? Bill Godfrey, lead instructor for Active Shooter Leader Management on such a sad, somber day. I really appreciate you taking a moment to offer some of your insights. It actually was very enlightening. I really appreciate your time. Um, I'm happy to provide it. I, I wish it weren't such a tragic event. I completely agree. Mr. Godfrey, have a great night. Thank you so much. Thank right. you. Let's send things back to Uvalde. Simone D'Alba has been on the ground all afternoon long. It is now dark out. It's evening, or it's getting darker. Um, it appears that the scene, I can't tell behind you if the scene is cleared a little bit. There's still flashing lights behind you, so there is still very much a scene. Why don't you describe for us what you're seeing, what you're experiencing right now? Yeah, Robert, to your point, yes, all the way. It's, it is hard to see, but it extends down the street, uh, the law enforcement presence. And then to my direct left, uh, there is quite a bit of... Um, uh, law enforcement present as well, just in different capacity. You know, we're talking uh, tools for investigations at this point. But I did want to clarify uh, a few numbers. So we were just speaking with Lieutenant Olivares, and he was saying 18 children are dead. Two adults are dead as well. It is three adults if you include the shooter, okay? So the two adults that we know to be deceased are the grandmother of the shooter uh, and a teacher as well. Um, we did learn some more information as I was speaking with Lieutenant, and, and I do want to warn you, some of it is, is disturbing, but um, we were told as soon as he entered the elementary school, he began shooting indiscriminately. Um, he was wearing body armor is what we've learned as well. Uh, officers who came on scene said they saw multiple children deceased uh, as soon as they entered the building. Uh, so just, just the horror that unfolded here today cannot be understated. Um, the grief that's taking place here, you know, with the grief counselors coming in tomorrow, those are Uvalde school officials just trying to get out in front of this wave of, of fear and wave of um, sadness that, that will be taking hold in this community. Uh, again, 18 children, two adults, the grandmother who the shooter uh, shot initially before even entering the school. We still don't know what happened, what led up to that, what argument uh, prompted him to, uh, you know, shoot his own grandmother. Uh, and then a teacher who presumably uh, was somewhere near his entry point of this building. It, it, it very much sounds as though when he entered with a handgun or a rifle, he just began shooting. And uh, that's the reality that we're dealing with here on the ground in Uvalde, Texas, in this small town, small school, 535 students, uh, where everyone knows everyone, and everyone's trying to be accounted for and understand um, who's still missing and, and are they safe and, and all of that. All of that is, is happening now. We are standing by for a press conference uh, with the President of the United States. President Joe Biden will be addressing the nation. Uh, initially, it was 7.15, but understandably, you know, things have been pushed back so uh, all eyes will be on the White House in the wake of this horrific mass shooting here in Uvalde.
All right, we. I'm hearing we do have an update at University Hospital in San Antonio where we know there are a number of victims there this evening. Uh, Jim Lefko is our team coverage in this regard. Jim, can you tell us what you've learned? Good evening. Good evening. We just heard a, a third victim has been brought here, a 10-year-old girl, and she is listed in good condition. So that's on top of the two other patients that were brought here earlier in critical condition. Another 10-year-old girl and a 66-year-old woman. We're also told a fourth victim might be en route here this evening. So to recap, four victims potentially here, three are already here, two in critical condition, and the latest, a 10-year-old girl, she's listed in good condition. That's the latest from University Hospital. Again, that was Jim Lefko reporting, just trying to bring us up to speed. Uh, I'm going to step out of the way here really quickly just to give you more of a feel for, for the scene here. It's active. Uh, you can see incident support there off to the left side of your screen. Emergency operations. This is just the beginning as we begin to get an understanding of what unfolded, the horror that unfolded in these hallways. There has been a steady stream of law enforcement, investigators in and out, um, just beyond where we're standing for the media. Um, as we learned that this shooter entered this elementary school wearing body armor, uh, we still have no clear motive, no actual understanding of what possessed him to take the lives of 18 children and two adults. Uh, it is hard to wrap your mind around, and we think we have Uvalde officials, the Uvalde superintendent saying today, quote, our hearts are broken. Um, school has been closed. The, the remainder of the school year is done. Um, and we know that the last day of school was supposed to be Thursday, May 26th. Uh, we are still learning. Uh, we're standing by again for the president just to, to hear his response. We've had uh, officials from, you know, Ted Cruz, uh, you know, Kamala Harris, our vice president, also sharing um, grief and condolences. Uh, and we are learning, as, as you know, Jim touched on, that there are patients still in San Antonio. There are still uh, people who are, are we're still trying to understand what exactly is taking place in terms of hospitalizations and injuries. Two, two 10-year-old girls and a 66-year-old woman at University Health in San Antonio. Um, so that's what we're learning. And, and as we've touched on with Robin Oginye, there are parents out here who are still searching for their child. We heard Robin earlier interviewing a woman who was begging for answers. That was in regard to 10-year-old Ileana, who she had not heard from and, and is still missing at this hour, so many hours after this shooting unfolded. The shooting uh, initially unfolded right around uh, 11, the noon hour. We're seeing emergency management make their way through here um, with more investigations. Yeah. Blood donations are needed. I did want to drive that point home. That is a, that's huge. Um, I'm going to see if we can grab, uh, we have an official standing near us. Let's see if I can grab him and bring him in for a quick interview. Uh, blood donations, as, as we touched on, San Antonians we know are very, uh, you know, generous. And they will they will step up in moments of need, and so we we want to see if we can go ahead and uh, help people out at this point in time. I'm gonna see if I can squeak on over here for this interview. Hey Simone, while you're waiting for this, if you're gonna go over there really quick, is this the same lieutenant from the Texas Department of Public Safety we heard from earlier? And if so, while you're waiting to try and grab yes. him, can you recap again who the three adults are who are confirmed dead? Because I believe one yes. is the shooter, and who are the other two? 
Robert, so again, 18 children dead, two adults. So the two adults are the grandmother and the teacher. The, if you count three adults, that includes the shooter. Okay, it's a very important distinction. Um, when we were told initially 18 children, three adults, that number included the shooter in that death toll. Does that clarify? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna head on up. Why it took place, and as we receive those updates, we will continue to provide updates as we continue this investigation. This is Lieutenant Chris Oliveras. Continuing on News Radio 1200 WOAI. Right, so what I can tell you right now, again, as I mentioned, that, you know, I just want to praise the brave men and women that arrived on scene and actually went into the school to try to. Hey, Robert. Um, you know, stop. So, again, this is a lieutenant who we heard from earlier kind of describing what had taken place as the officers arrived on the school and they were, they were trying to get into the school as the gunman was continuing to fire shots at them. And uh, as a result of that, they believe that the officers' actions actually saved lives as well, despite the fact that we have 18 children dead and three adults. And as we just learned from Simone D'Alba, uh, that uh, that included his grandmother and a teacher and uh, the shooter himself, who is, is dead. So again, 18 children, a grandmother, teacher, and the shooter dead in today's shooting. Seven and eight and nine-year-old children dead. Absolutely gut-wrenching. And then when you also think of Parkland, you think of Columbine, you know, uh, Robert, you had mentioned you grew up with Columbine. I'm from Colorado. I grew up with Columbine. I was locked down uh, as a fifth grader during Columbine. And so the impact it has on you as a child simply to be locked down for an active shooter. I also think of uh, Jessica Gawi, who was a, a personal friend of mine, but also a dear friend of San Antonio's. Uh, she died in the Aurora Theater shooting. And so these places that we often think are supposed to be safe, places like an elementary school or a theater. Um, you know, this is the moment that we're in. And, and so as we hear President Biden address the nation, no doubt he will bring up shootings like Columbine, like Parkland, uh, like we're seeing here unfolding in Uvalde. Are you getting the sense that uh, people are a little Producers telling me that we are standing by. All right, well, let me ask you a question, ahead, Simone. Are you getting ahead, the sense that this is, yeah. you're so much in the thick of this that people are kind of numb right now? I'm talking about yourself and included, that maybe it's not going to really fully hit you until you go to bed tonight. Just the severity and the immense nature of, you know, what's happening out there where you are standing right now. You know, when it hit me personally, and as I was, I think when it hit a lot of people who, again, just neighbors that I'm standing by, that I'm watching, when the hearses drove by, it, it, I, the whole crowd went silent. Everyone stopped talking. And to see uh, two hearses go by, it really drives the point home of... Um, this is real. This this took place, and and this is something that that is unfolding before our eyes. And and to think, um, 18 children, second, third, fourth graders. It's, it is almost impossible to wrap your mind around. Um, the horror that they must have been feeling in those hallways and, and what was taking place. I, I think of the lieutenant here talking about first responders in those moments just trying to serve, trying to, to get these victims help, but you're staring at children and, and this horrific scene. Uh, I do believe we're tossing to a press conference now. Let's see if that's the case. So, Robert, sorry, back to you. Well, let me uh, let me hold you there for a second. I don't know if we have the ability. Are we, well, let me ask you, our producer, are we tossing to the news conference with the president? 
Okay. Well, I'm allowed to ask a question one more time of Simone. All right, I, no, that's all right. We were looking at that aerial footage. Actually, if we were able to pull that aerial footage back up, I was actually going to mention that we were looking at video of the scene over Rob Elementary earlier, and the video uh, at one point, there we go. Okay, so there are the ambulances who responded. And if this video plays out long enough, we're going to see the truck of the suspected shooter. It crashes out into a drainage ditch about a football field's length away from the elementary school. When Simone was able to interview that uh, lieutenant with the Texas Department of Public Safety, he informed her that they received a call about a man or a young teenager who shot his grandmother and then crashed out his vehicle by the elementary school. That was the initial phone call. Because earlier at around 3.30, 4 o'clock this afternoon, when we were showing this aerial footage of the truck crashed out in the drainage ditch, we didn't fully understand the sequence of events in terms of was there some sort of chase? Why did he have all that front end damage? Why did he crash in a drainage ditch? What was the sense of urgency there? We're learning more now, and I, Simone, I don't know if Simone can hear me, but could you kind of give... Yeah, well, as, as, uh, they're asking Simone uh, Dalba that question. We're going to go back uh, now. We understand the president is about to speak. The shooter crashes out and runs into the school. Well, it looks like maybe he's not ready. Yeah, and so, you know, that was exactly... Okay, I'm, uh, excuse me, Robert, we have the president walking out, so let's go ahead and see if we can listen in to President Biden uh, on the podium. And we'll bring you more information here from Uvalde soon. When I became president, I would not have to do this again. Another massacre. Uvalde, Texas. An elementary school. Beautiful, innocent, second, third, fourth graders. <clears throat> and how many scores of little children who witnessed what happened see their friends die as if they're in a battlefield, for God's sake. That was radio coverage from WOAI in San Antonio, Texas, covering the Texas school shooting where, again, 19 children and two adults were uh, killed by this horrible, horrible crime. And to the families of those impacted in San Antonio, our thoughts and prayers are with you. We continue now with storm coverage from KMOX in St. Louis, Missouri. This storm coverage has to do with the tornado that took place there um, a couple of weeks back. And it's right here on the best of Radio Connection Live. The home of the Cardinals, KMOX. An Odyssey station. Thursday, it's a little bit of a weird day. Obviously, uh, get the crew here. Everybody but Dave. Of course, Dave's still recovering. I think we're trying to catch up with Dave, right, Rich? Right? Yeah, trying to get a hold of him. So we'll get him in here in a couple of minutes. We also have um, severe weather coming through the area. We're going to be all over that. In fact, it just started here in downtown St. Louis. Pretty heavy rain right now uh, just outside the building. We got all kinds of warnings. Hail, tornadoes, thunderstorms. You heard Michael Calhoun run through yeah. a bit of it here. We're going to be uh, obviously coordinating on that as well. And we've got Dave Murray on Opal 3 right now, and he can, or Opal 4, not that the audience cares. <laughs> Get it right, Rachel. Oh, I thought I was on 3. Dave, what are we in for, man? Yeah, it's it's kind of the last gasp of this particular round of rain and thunderstorms. There is a, it's basically 
the St. Louis metro area and points south. The more intense part of this thing is on the northern edge, and it's coming through Washington right now out in Franklin County. That's where the tornado warning continues, though not for much longer. And then in downtown St. Louis, there's a pretty good thunderstorm. There's a thunderstorm warning that covers a good portion of Warren County and portions of St. Charles County and St. Louis County, St. Louis City. That will be in effect for about uh, the next 40 minutes or so. But the the line itself or the bubble, besides the cell that's just over downtown St. Louis and points south into south St. Louis, it's running from about just to the east of New Haven. It's not quite at Union. Union may actually get away with nothing much at all, but it's pressing towards Pacific and pressing through Wildwood here in the next couple of minutes. There's also a little cell between Oakville and Waterloo in Illinois. So so it's kind of there. And then the line goes all the way down from Pacific to Bonterre to Farmington, approaching Fredericktown here in the next 30 minutes or so, and then kind of loops down through Annapolis and Ellington, where there's also, Ellington's got a tornado warning in effect too, though that's pretty far away from us. So between now and let's say seven o'clock, seven o'clock may be actually adding a little time that we don't need, but thinking of the folks in Illinois, this stuff is going to be around. The dominant features will be some really heavy rain, some ponding on the highways, so big puddles, you know, some, some planing off the tires. If you get under one of the stronger cells that could be strong to severe, Besides the heavy rain, some intense lightning, a lot of thunder. There's going to be some high winds, winds up to about 60 miles per hour, very short period of time, and the possibility of some small spin-up tornadoes. Have not gotten any reports of tornadoes actually on the ground, but a lot of radar-indicated spin in this atmosphere. And again, it will be around between now and about 7 o'clock, and then it's gone. Skies will actually clear overnight tonight. Next round coming in late Friday night and during the day Saturday and into Saturday night with scattered showers and thunderstorms. Very unsettled weather pattern. And the main reason we have this is that there's some record heat across the southern plains right now. Some spots pushing 100 degrees, the lower Mississippi Valley. But out in Denver, it's snowing, a lot of snow, temperatures below freezing. That cold air goes all the way up into the northern plains, and the chill will be headed our way. We're not going to see any snow, anything like that, but we're talking temperatures near 90 tomorrow, Saturday in the 80s again, but then on Sunday, we'll be lucky if we hit 69 for the high. I'm really thinking probably about 63, 64, 65 for the high temperature on Sunday. Then we bounce back up with temperatures next week. Dave, I can report that in downtown St. Louis, we are currently in a car wash. There you go. Good. That's that blinding rain. I mean, it could is, be some hail. I don't is, see a lot of hail in it, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's some hail in, in some isolated spots. Yeah, it is coming straight down. Like That's good. I yeah. hate it when it goes straight up. I don't like the sideways stuff. That's always the worst part. <laughs> that weather humor. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) If we could call it that. We appreciate you jumping on. Obviously, you got a lot going on. We appreciate the update. Thank you, sir. Okay. Okay, bye-bye. There you go, Dave Murray giving us the latest. Yeah, informally, we talked to Dave Murray there, but we'll go ahead and say it's from Air Comfort Service Heating and Cooling. Thank you, Dave. Should we uh, bring in Dave, the one that the show's named after? If we can get him on, Dave, (laughs) are you there? Are you with us? Hi, who's this? Oh, he's down low. He Uh sounds like he's in a tunnel. Dave, can you hear us? 
I can hear you guys. Can you hear me? Yeah, you definitely. You sound like you're like three feet tall. <laughs> like you really have the voice of like a tiny person. That seems like, like, you're, like you're in a distance. You're in the distance. Good. That's how I feel. I <laughs> yeah, you sound like you're in a can. <laughs> that is right back at you. So. Uh, is there something I can do on my end to make it any better? That's a really good question. I don't know. It's a it's a very odd connection. It's like almost it's like very... we should have checked this before I got here. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there was a Cardinals game. Unfortunately, can you get any closer to the mic? Uh, no, the mic is down my throat. Now. <laughs> do you feel better than you sound? Uh, well, from the way you make me sound, I sound about like I feel, and I feel about like I sound. Oh, oh that's Andrew, no good. Andrew's texting me. It should be good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Poor guy. Dave, honestly, you're, you're going to hear this later. You're going to laugh. The audio Please. is hilarious. Andrew says, try to unplug and plug back in. Like a true That's not engineer at all. I don't even know what he means though. <laughs> it's like call. It's like calling the, any kind of like customer service when you're having a problem with your internet or your TV or my Xbox. Like the first thing they tell you, did you try turning it off and turn it oh, on? Oh, we again? had a radio engineer that said that every like at my first radio station, who would come in and he'd be like, "Did you try to turn it off and turn it back on?" Thank you very much. <laughs> like I could have done like, that. First of all, no. Second of all, oh. Dave, I think you might Okay, is that better? Oh, yes. It's much better. Oh, my God. It's much better. I just potted you. Wait. Yeah, my- I had him potted all the way up. <laughs> Dave, you just, that was just like a thunderbolt when you did that. Did you unplug and plug back in? And- it's going well. Yeah. <laughs> no. it's, okay, it's the same problem as yesterday when you guys tried to do it. It's like oh, no. super loud, super quiet. Well, yeah. That's all right. We just wanted to check in on you anyway to see how you're doing. Are you eating? How's that? Oh, that's wow, really that's good. Super Try to keep it like that. <laughs> okay, well, it hurts my ears, though. So. <laughs> oh, my God. It sounds a lot better, This, this is exactly par for the course the way this week has gone. So. Yeah. Well, the windows just shook when you did that. I've had about a million people ask me how you're feeling, Dave, so can you fill the audience in? Uh, Like crap. Um. Yeah, it's not been it's not been great for anyone out there who has not had uh, COVID yet. I mean, it's different for everyone. Uh, one of our colleagues, I don't know if everyone knows, you know, who I'm talking about. I, I don't want to out her, uh, but she was texting me earlier today. She has completely different symptoms than I do. Mine, uh, if you remember Sunday uh, after the ball game when we we're all watching the lunar eclipse, uh, I didn't sleep because I had really bad leg cramps. And I, I talked about it on the show on Monday, like it was just so weird, and I don't know where these came from. But it was weird enough. I took a test Monday morning, and it was negative. And then I faked my way through the show on Monday. I was telling Rach that night, like I just didn't feel good about the show. She's like, oh, it's fine, blah, blah, blah. And then on Tuesday, the Cardinals had a doubleheader, didn't have to come in. Great. And Tuesday night, all you know what hit the fan and probably about 103, maybe more fever. And I say maybe because I was really too sick to take my temperature. Uh, but when I took it on Wednesday morning, it was 102 mm. and it stayed 102 until about, I don't know, six hours or so ago. My friends, the Smurfs just left and uh, <laughs> a sunshine bear was wearing my V-neck and, and I think we're married now. Uh, so things are starting to clear up a little bit. I cried as hard as I've cried in the last five years watching something bit me uh, when a guy was bald by a polar bear. And all of his friends helped him, and he started crying. I'm like, it's just so selfless what they did. Oh, wow. um, yeah, yeah. So, so I've lost fever about five did break? pounds. 
Uh, yeah, but it comes back at night. So I'm just like, I'm terrified with the sun going down because I'm not sleeping. Like, I, I haven't slept in about three. I mean, I've slept a couple hours each night, but I haven't really slept a full night in about three days, which doesn't help anything. And uh, wheels, I have your salty thing. Yeah. Everything tastes super salty. Um, I've probably had a thousand calories in three days. I've lost six pounds. Uh, so get COVID, you lose weight, get to know your inner demons real well. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it has not been fun at all. I'm looking forward to turning the corner here soon. It's so crazy how everybody seems to have a totally different experience. And then if you find that one thing to bond over, like yeah, the salty David thing, it's like, like it hey, me too, the salty thing. <laughs> yeah. Because everybody just responds to it so differently. Like I was sleeping yeah, like a I'm, baby when I had it. Not to brag, sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Everyone, everyone's saying that. Everyone who I'm talking to and people reaching out and they're like, well, at least you're catching up in your sleep. I'm like, no, I'm not sleeping at all. Mm. Um, and not to be ser- get all serious, but I would say this, that if you haven't had COVID, this is my first go around, um, I'm fully vaxxed and boosted and it sucks. Like I'm pretty sick. I'm pretty miserable. And I can't even imagine if you're not vaccinated. So this is not political. This is not left and right and red and blue. It's just... And unless you have like a really good medical reason that's not based on goblins and wizards, uh, if you're not vaccinated, get vaccinated because this would suck so bad. Uh, it already does. And like I said, I'm fully vaxxed and boosted and it's still pretty nasty. So for the first 15 minutes after you told us, I was convinced I had it too until I took a test. So I had it, you know, in my head. And then I'm like, <laughs> yeah. okay, then what do you do? Do you call your doctor? Do you go somewhere or do you just? I have it. I'm just going to wait it out. Or do you, how do you know what to take? What happens? Yeah. No, I have a really great doctor, uh, John Patrick Stein. And uh, I called them and they were really thorough. And what are your symptoms and this and this? And there was nothing so serious that they're like, okay, we need you to go to the emergency room or we need to admit you. We're going to give you this or that. It was, you know, pretty much like, okay, you're going to have a bad fever. So just do Advil and Tylenol and take these vitamins and drink plenty of liquids. Um, and, And I have, and I've been fine. You know, it's not like I'm in any danger or anything like that. Um, it's just really miserable. It's just it just sucks. I can I can totally identify. Now I just hope you don't get the same thing that I had too there, where it took me two weeks to get a negative test because that was the other yeah me the too because like once I got to be good it was like all right yeah feel great normal it was about two or three days and I felt pretty good and then it was another like nine days before I could get a negative test. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. When I took my test, I did first thing in the morning, and I, I pretty much knew. And so I, I literally swabbed the nose and did the deal, and then I made a cup of coffee. And you're supposed to wait 15 minutes. By the time I made the cup of coffee, I turned back around, and it was like glowing. <laughs> it, was like, it, it was saying to me in Spanish, you have COVID. So, it's so weird that you tested negative the day before. I, I, that's just crazy to me because it had to be in you at that point, right? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Trish is like forensics files uh, <laughs> medical detective. Like everyone that we've known who's had, like back when when Rage had it, it was like I'm not sure I believe your story. Yeah. So and, she's trying to catch you in uh, a lie about your COVID. Yeah, exactly. It's like <laughs> I'm, 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 you, Trish, I'm not fooling you about my health. <laughs> it's just weird. Like you know what? I mean, this is going to be a great one to pull on Trish. <laughs> no, I think it's scary that you already had it and you're testing negative. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like well. Because you could have easily.
he's well, you did come in that day because you tested negative. And thank God right. on Tuesday, you know, you felt bad enough to where you were like, eh, I'm not going to do it because it's only an hour. Yeah, it makes you think yeah, about all those, really close. Uh, all those events. I'm sorry, Rach, go ahead. Oh, so- <laughs> Uh, it makes you feel weird about all those events that have happened where it's like, don't worry, everyone has a negative test. It's like, yeah, but that's still not yeah, 100% right. guarantee mm-hmm. that you don't have COVID. That's why so. this thing is such a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Here's another weird mm-hmm. thing, too. People keep asking me who I got it from. <laughs> like, I know. Like, they handed yeah. me a note or something. I like, asked that, too. You have COVID. It, yeah, it's becoming the new word you go to high school. Oh, look at that. But, Weather alert coming But it in. really does make you think, like, I think... Yeah, I'm pretty well covered now, but if I were not, every single person I would talk to, I would be looking at like a suspect. <laughs> like, you could be giving it to me right now. <laughs> all right, Dave. Well, the, your name is on the show. Are you planning on hanging, or are we going to follow us? Because we're going to hit the news and all that here in a second. No, I'm going to go away. Yeah, you, you go You rest. guys handle it. Go I promise, better. though, I will be back tomorrow. I'm feeling better. I'll be back tomorrow for whatever whole show we have. Oh, nice. from remotely, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Trish. I'm not going to make you sick. Bye. Thanks, See you, It's all about Trish. <laughs> This is the Dave Glover Show with Dave, Rachel, and Trish. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring Outlet. The flooring experts. I got floor.com. It's 456. The National Weather Service has just issued a tornado warning for central St. Charles County and for central St. Louis County. This is until 530. Uh, Just a couple of minutes ago, a severe thunderstorm capable of producing a tornado was over Ellisville, moving north at 40 miles per hour. This is radar indicated rotation. Uh, And Rachel, can you let me know when we have Dave Murray uh, on the line? He's going to be coming in for the top of the hour in just a couple of minutes. And if he gets in here early, we'd like to go to him for the latest on this. Uh, Dave is here. Hey, Dave, can you hear me? Yes, I can. All right. So this is uh, a major event, a tornado warning for some of the most heavily populated parts of the region, St. Charles County and St. Louis County. What can you tell us about this, which is radar indicated at this point, I believe? It is radar indicated. And a lot of our tornado warnings are that uh, we don't get a lot of automatic sightings of tornadoes here in the St. Louis area. But this warning that just went up and it's up for about an hour or so covers Eureka, Wildwood, Kirkwood, Town and Country, Ladue, Chesterfield, Maryland Heights, St. Charles. County, Berkeley, up through Florissant, and Old Jamestown would be on the very northern edge of that. The storms themselves are at the southern edge of that warning box, and that would include Wildwood and Eureka right now. I'm looking at the radar, and there's not a lot of indication of, uh, of at least a, a major type tornado, but there's certainly some spin going on in the atmosphere and certainly some straight line winds that could exceed 60, even 70 miles per hour. That cluster of thunderstorms is moving for the most part to the north and northeast, and that's why it will take it from the Wildwood area up through Florissant rather than moving towards downtown St. Louis. So it's lifting from the south to the north to really simplify it all. And then there is a line of action that extends from that batch of thunderstorms in Wildwood. It goes down through Barnhart, Peevely, Festus. It's going through DeSoto right now. It's approaching St. Genevieve fairly quickly. Folks who live in Bonterre, Parks Hill, and Farmington, the storm has sim- simply gone to your east right now, and you're just about done. But if you live in the Fredericktown area and to the north, you're going to get hit pretty good. But the strongest storm of this line right now, 
is around Eureka and around Wildwood and moving to the north-northeast towards St. Anne and Florissant. Take a little time, but it's going to it should hold together, especially this time of the afternoon, and, and working its way your way. Now, as far as St. Louis City is concerned. There's been some torrential downpours. There's another batch moving through some pretty good stuff around Cahokia, Dupo, down through Columbia, Oakville, and around Melville. That's also lifting from the south to the north. So folks around Caseyville and Collinsville, even Glen Carbon in Illinois, be alert that that action is headed your way. Now, it's going to be active here until 7 o'clock at the latest, I think. Now, there is a tornado watch that covers basically the entire area until 11 o'clock tonight. I don't want to, that to deceive you. This watch goes all the way to the Indiana border. So we're on the western edge of the watch, which means we will be clearing that watch very quickly. In fact, I think by 7 o'clock we will drop out of the watch. But as you get in deeper into Illinois towards Indiana, the watch will stay in effect for several more hours. There you go, Michael. We are getting some reports, Dave, uh, about the tornado sirens that are going off. Uh, Wentzville, I'm seeing one tweet from there. And looking at the traffic cameras, it's gotten very dark. Uh, it looks very wet out there. Looking at 141 uh, and Clayton Road. Uh, and this is a storm that, again, we have to mention, this is going through some of the most heavily populated parts of St. Louis County. But it's radar indicated at this point. Where, where can you tell us, um, as close as you can pinpoint, where the radar indicated rotation has been? It is, again, primarily it's lifting to the north now. So Wildwood, Clarkson Valley, approaching Chesterfield, approaching Kirkwood right now. So it's kind of a, a broad area. But the, the reason the sirens are going anytime a tornado warning is issued, whether it be uh, by radar or actual sighting, the sirens are going to go off. So if you hear the sirens, that means now's the time to take immediate safety precautions. That means get down to the lowest possible floor you can. If you have a basement, that's the place to go. If you don't have a basement and it's small interior room, maybe an interior bathroom or a closet, something like that. The good news is these things roll through very quickly in the St. Louis area. So in any particular neighborhood, probably lasting about 20 minutes at the most, don't, if you hear the sirens, don't go running outside to see what's going on. That's kind of what we do in St. Louis. Don't do that. This is a live coverage from the Air Comfort Service Storm Center on KMOX, uh, KEZK, HD2, K254CR, St. Louis, of a tornado warning for St. Charles County and for St. Louis County until 5.30 uh, p.m. And, and Dave, um, I'm looking at uh, these traffic cameras, a lot of cars on I-64 uh, in the Chesterfield Valley is the camera I'm looking at. First of all, it's gotten, it, it looks almost like it's foggy out there, but it's it seems to be because of the amount of rain that's coming that's down. The, right. That's the rain shaft coming from this that will drop visibilities down to a quarter mile or less. Again, it's a blinding rain, a uh, lot of ponding on the roadway. So certainly, you know, if, if you can pull over, you may want to ride this one out just a little bit. Car is not the best place to be, but you don't have an awful lot of choices. Just as you were talking there, Dave, I could I went from being able to see the taillights and the outline of one of those signs that says, you know, these are the restaurants at this exit. Now it's just gone almost completely white. Uh, I can't see. Uh, now we've got a refresh of the camera, 64 at long road. Um, but if people are in their cars, uh, first of all, can you tell us maybe some of the interstates, some of the roads that are in the path of this tornado warning for St. Charles and St. Louis County until 530? And yeah, what for the should most people part, do? 
Yeah, it, for the most part, it's going to be you know part of uh, 270, certainly part of 40 uh, going westbound, and it will eventually cross 70. So it hits the major major roadways, no question. Car is a tough, tough place to be in if you could actually, you know, again, we don't see a lot of tornadoes here visually because of these rain shafts and stuff. It, it's not like out in the plains where you kind of see them coming. But, you know, if you can get under an overpass, that, that may be a safe place to be obviously the safest thing to do is to get out of your car and get down into a low-lying area down into a ditch but but it's man it's just a tough tough thing to do in a car i would i hmm. would try to pull over and just try to ride this out again it's not going to last very long yeah, there's a truck it looks like on 270 south at uh just before 6440 there's a a truck which is pulled off underneath the overpass has its flashers on right now 270 looks like it's uh, uh stopped completely actually rachel do we have roger brand can we check in Hey, Dave, can you hold on for just a moment, please? Sure. Let's check in with Roger Brand and see what kind of impact this is having on the roads right now. Roger? Well, like you said, uh, Michael, it's, you know, this intense downpours. I mean, my wife's driving home in it right now and just said, you know, you can hardly see in front of you and can't even go more than 30 miles an hour. So it's not a surprise. And wherever this is more intense, I've already seen one car hit the median wall. That was uh, eastbound 44 near Antire. But like you said, 270 is really tough going right now from Page all the way down to like Gravoy because that cell, like uh, Dave mentioned, was just approaching Kirkwood, westbound 44 from Elm, out through that 270 area, bowls out to Antire. It's pretty tough going, and it's getting that way in mid-county as well as this stuff sort of comes over through the uh, northeast. All right, Roger is in the uh, michaelsflooringoutlet.com traffic center. We're in the Air Comfort Service Storm Center. Michael Calhoun and Dave Murray with you. And just to reset, it's four oh five oh five on KMOX. We're in continuous weather coverage because of a tornado warning, which has been issued for central St. Charles County and central St. Louis County. This is until 5.30. Last check uh, this storm over the Clarkson Valley, Chesterfield area, Dave. And it's yeah. taking an interesting curve. People People expect it to follow, you know, maybe 64 straight east into the city, but this is curving to the north. So just because it's in Chesterfield and you're in Florissant doesn't mean you can breathe a sigh of relief. Oh, right. Yes, it is moving towards Maryland Heights. It's moving towards Florissant. The good news is tracking this thing on radar is the the cell itself that is kind of in the southern part of this warning area. It looks like it's weakening a little bit. The strongest part of it now is right on the eastern edge of this warning box. So again, St. Anne, Florissant, you're going to get some some real solid rain, some strong gusty winds, and it's probably going to clip downtown St. Louis too. It's, it looks like it's expanding to the east just a little bit, so kind of keep that in mind. And and we're talking about the tornado because there's a, a possibility because of the tornado warning that's been issued. But there there was a severe thunderstorm warning just prior to this with um, some areas we're seeing 70 mile an hour wind gusts and reports of um, quarter sized hail. Can you tell us about even if it's not a funnel cloud, what some of the other dangers with this might be? Yeah, that that that's it. There still is a, a rather large area of a severe thunderstorm warning that goes from Warren County into Illinois, the the eastern edge around Freeburg and Waterloo. There's actually a, a spin, a large-scale spin. I don't want to confuse it with a tornado versus the spin in the atmosphere. There's a low-pressure system that's coming by, and that's the reason for this thing. But uh, if you're 
If you get under the stronger storms, again, very heavy downpours of rain, intense lightning, possibility of some hail, though it's not a widespread hail maker, and damaging straight line winds up to 60 to 70 miles per hour, and the possibility of some isolated tornadoes, kind of small spin-up tornadoes. I'm really more concerned about the straight line winds than anything else. The 60 to 70 mile per hour winds can do some roof damage, take trees down, things like that, blow trucks off the highway. So it, it's I, I don't like to try to to say okay it's a tornado versus straight line winds that's for after the after the the effect of this thing but even if you're not under a tornado warning right now these storms are severe and they are producing some strong damaging winds and Dave I'm looking at the local storm reports from the the National Weather Service um, you know chime in if you see anything uh, as I scroll through these two uh, Franklin County we had a report of a tree into a house in Parkway uh, we've got 40 mile an hour wind gusts in Iron County in Bellevue. Uh, there's a power pole and tree damage near Highway 185 in Beaufort. That's in Franklin County. Uh, we've got uh, 40, 54 mile per hour wind gusts in uh, Cuba, Missouri. That's in Crawford County. 44 miles an hour in Steelville. And uh, 88th of an inch uh, hail in uh, Cuba in Crawford, Peter Nichols sized. And that just goes to some of the other uh, dangers with this besides just the tornado warning itself. Right. And we also just a severe thunderstorm warning just went up primarily Mississippi River. This is to the south of St. Louis. If you live in Marissa, Sparta, Percy, Chester, this squall line for for lack of better term, because that's really what this has turned into. That's heading towards Freeburg, Marissa, Sparta, Percy, and Chesterfield. It will be on your doorstep probably in the next 15 minutes or so. But you just went under a severe thunderstorm warning, and that's where the straight-line winds are going to be right along that line as it pushes towards those areas. It's coming through St. Genevieve right now, very close to Redwood. Redbud, very close to Waterloo. So again, these are very fast-moving storms. They they don't mess around, but they're going to be in and out very quickly in any particular neighborhood. But the focus is primarily the Metro St. Louis area south along the Mississippi River, and the storms pushing into Illinois now. Yeah, this just popping in. Severe thunderstorm warning for Monroe County, Randolph County, South Central St. Clair County uh, in Illinois, southeastern Jefferson County, St. Genevieve County, and eastern St. Francis County in Missouri. That's until 545. Uh, But uh, we're here in the Air Comfort Service Storm Center with continuing coverage on KMOX because of a tornado warning. Let's let's reset the table. If you're just tuning in, it's just about 510 on KMOX. A tornado warning is in effect for another 20 minutes or so for central St. Charles County and central St. Louis County. It is 10 after. Uh, so, Dave, uh, we'll, we'll turn now real quick uh, and check in again before we check back in with you. Let's talk with Roger Brand in the MichaelsFlooringOutlet.com traffic center because the sky is dark and some of these cameras are seeing intense rain and uh, a lot of people 270 roger is completely jammed it looks like looks like going south uh people are listening in their cars and wondering what's going on and what should i do where are the uh the trouble spots around the region right now well like you said it's just the heavy downpours and the slower traffic i mean i haven't seen any new accidents on the interstates uh except for the you know the folks pulling over and there's a few stalls but it looks like none of them are really blocking right now. So, But like you said, it's intense and on 270. You're looking at stop-and-go pockets from 
page pretty much down through Manchester, Doherty Ferry, and it's a little backed up again at 44, but it remains off the pace all the way down to 55 from page, just like I said, because of the intense downpours you're experiencing. Westbound 44, the backups are from about Laclede Station out to the Big Bend Construction Zone, but again, it remains slow just because of the weather, most of the way out to Eureka. That's where that uh, cell was pushing through most recently. 55, of course, you have a roadwork jam approaching 44 down through Bates, but again, it's just kind of slow most of the way down into the Arnold area, down to Richardson Road, 255 over into Illinois to Route 3 Columbia. There's heavier pockets. Of course, it's a work zone, so that's part of it, and then it's just the weather that's keeping it slow, and 55, 70, 64 on the Illinois side through the bridges and the in the uh, merge point on the Illinois side are uh, pretty slow as well. There's a lot of standing water issues, I know, normally on 64 east of the Poplar Street Bridge, so I'm sure that's an issue right now. Westbound 64, a solid jam from Kings Highway out to the inner belt. But again, slow traffic in general all the way out into the Chesterfield Valley where those heavy downpours were coming through Wildwood and Ellisville pretty recently. All right, Roger, thank you very much uh, for updating us uh, on the traffic situation. Again, a lot of people are in their cars, and they're seeing the sky turn dark. Maybe they can't even see out their windshield because in some spots the rain has become so heavy. But meteorologist Dave Murray is with us in the Air Comfort Service Storm Center on KMOX. And that uh, camera I was describing earlier with the complete whiteout conditions, uh, 64 at Long Road. The sky is, I won't say it's clearing, but there, it doesn't look as ominous as it was. And I right. can make out uh, the signs, the cars, and the trees again. Yeah, and that's how fast this stuff is moving. In fact, the area that's under the tornado watch, if you're you're kind of in Weldon Springs, Chesterfield, up towards St. Charles, you're not all clear yet, but the action is is starting to break up just a little bit. It's losing its power as the energy shifts to the east. But if you live in Blackjack, Berkeley, Maryland Heights, Pagedale, Clayton, downtown St. Louis, Granite City, over to Collinsville and Caseyville, down through Cahokia. And, and let's include Kirkwood, Sunset Hills, Melville right now, and Dupo. You're, you're in the heart of this thing. It's You either got a severe thunderstorm warning or a tornado warning. It does not look like the tornado warning at this point is going to be extended to the east. But, boy, it is certainly doing its thing. It means business. And then the line goes down from there. It, it is a, a kind of what we call a bit of a bow echo, a squall line. It, it's approaching Waterloo, approaching Redbud, Evansville. It's gone through St. Genevieve right now and appro- approaching uh, Chester. And, and that will move into Illinois. So if you live around Smithton, Muscoota, Nashville, Oakdale in Illinois, Lensburg, O'Fallon, be aware that this stuff, you're probably saying, well, it's not doing much of anything. It, it is heading your way, and it, it's going to, to do things for no more than 20 minutes and then be out of the picture. Again, it's a little swirl of a low pressure coming through just in the humidity, just kicking up in the atmosphere, and that's what's causing all of this right over the St. Louis area. But again, by 7 o'clock, it should be long gone out of the area. The, the tornado watch will be dropped at that point. And, and it will continue to slide to the east. Again, the watch, the tornado watch, goes all the way to the Indiana border. So we're right on the western edge of that. Hey, Dave, I'm seeing uh, this is a scanner report, uh, and I am not seeing this from the National Weather Service, uh, but a report of a tornado that's been spotted near Ladue, uh, near 170 and Ladue. Do you have any, any word on that? I'm cycling through the cameras to try to see. but it, Yeah, I don't have any any word on that, but that's where the, the heaviest is right now. It's around University City, Ladue, down through Maplewood, uh, over to Frontenac, and down through Kirkwood. I'm not seeing a heck of a lot of rotation in there, 
But but you know what? If a, a, a scanner, a spotter has seen, usually these are trained spotters who pick this stuff up. It uh, and that would still be right on the edge of the tornado warning. So it would not be necessarily appropriate to expand that warning at this point. But it could as, as the stuff is kind of moving right on the eastern edge of that warning area. So it's it's right where it should be. If there was going to be a tornado, it's probably a small spin up type tornado. Probably isn't much but small ones can cause some damage. But again, straight line winds are also with this thing that are 60 to 70 miles per hour. And what do you look for? What are the, the indications on the radar? We hear we hear the term bow echo, for instance. What mm-hmm. do you look at? And the tweets are coming in uh, about a possible tornado near uh, 170 and Ladue. Uh, I'm seeing some videos, uh, but I don't see I don't see a funnel cloud um, in any of the videos or photos that have been posted. So these are just text reports at this point. But it, as people maybe look be, at the radar, sorry, it could be tough to because this is these the the small spin up tornadoes are going to be embedded in the rain shafts. It's just what happens for the most part in the St. Louis area. So if you're if you were pick up a tornado, let's not confuse it with a solid. You know, rain shaft out of this thing that could look like that. So things can get a little deceiving unless that thing is almost right on top of you. So I don't want to focus too much on exactly where a possible tornado is because the straight line winds could cause more damage than a small spin-up tornado. Well, Dave, it's uh, five sixteen. We've got fourteen minutes remaining in this tornado warning. So let's let's reset. Uh, in ca- especially if you're just tuning in, you're in the car, you're wondering what's going on. Why is it so dark? Uh, we have a tornado warning which has been issued for Central St. Charles County and Central St. Louis County until five thirty by the National Weather Service. They've also issued a severe thunderstorm warning for Monroe County, uh, Randolph County, and St. Clair County in Illinois, and Jefferson County. St. Genevieve County and Eastern St. Francis County. Uh, You can hear that. Maybe your phone has done the same thing. Uh, That's why we're in continuous coverage here on KMOX, uh, letting us know that this uh, tornado warning is in effect now uh, until 545 uh, tornado warning. Actually, I'm in the city of St. Louis, so let's take a look here. Uh, They've expanded this uh, tornado warning, Dave. It looks like Madison County, St. Clair County, St. Louis City, St. Charles County and Northeastern St. Louis County. And this tornado warning now goes until 545. Right. So the, 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 the first tornado warning is probably just about done. The action has moved to the east just a little bit. And if that uh, spotter report of a possible tornado is, they may be issuing this updated on the warning based on that. But the heaviest stuff is from, let's say, Pagedale, Ladue, down through town and country in Kirkwood, over to downtown St. Louis, pushing up towards Madison in Illinois. And, and it then extends down to Dupo, Melville, Oakville, Arnold. It's got some pretty good stuff, though. I think the heaviest stuff in Arnold is probably just to your east, same with Barnhart. And it's approaching Waterloo very quickly now in Illinois, Milstadt, is you've had some, but you're going to have a little bit of a break, and then the stronger stuff will come in. And give it about 15, 20 minutes for Freeburg, New Athens, down through Marissa, and uh, let's say Sparta. Sparta, you're probably going to get it too. That could be a little more than 15 minutes, but not by much. And down through Chester. And Perryville, you're going to kind of get nicked by this, but it's really the bubble is centered right on the immediate St. Louis area, and then it extends down south. Uh, and it's lifting, 
to the northeast at a pretty good clip. Will it lose some punch? It seems to be losing a little punch because it's maybe getting itself kind of rained out a little bit as temperatures cool a bit. But if you live in Alton, you live in Edwardsville, it's coming your way as far as the heavy downpours and straight line winds. Troy in Illinois, Staunton in Illinois, Worden in Illinois, it's also kind of headed your way. And, and again, it lasts about 20 minutes and then it blows through and it's gone. And uh, you talk about this uh, hooking to the north. I'm seeing a report from uh, Spectrum News, which says uh, that uh, the shelter-in-place procedures are now being put into effect at Lambert Airport. Passengers are being moved away from windows, and uh, they're lined up along a back wall, it looks like. Uh, certainly the airport is a place that uh, has to be cognizant of these kinds of storms, given what we've seen in the past. Oh, yes, no question about it, and you have to react very quickly. The airport is in the tornado warning right now. So that's that's why those actions are going. Some of the things we look for, we, we mentioned the bow echo. Bow echo is more of a large scale. What I'm really looking for on the radar is a hook echo, where, uh, and again, in St. Louis, the hook echoes don't show up very often. But when you do see one, you probably do have a tornado on the ground. Right now, I'm not seeing any any major hooks associated with this thing, but I continue to kind of scan what is going on in the atmosphere. Looking at a couple of other profiles within the, the Doppler radar system, and, and uh, I'm just not seeing anything that would indicate a hook echo anyway, but there's certainly a lot of stuff going on. Let me uh, just, I'm just changing levels here and kind of funneling through what the Doppler radar can do. Let me, I want to go to one other thing here while I've got sure. you. Uh, do you want to do um, that while I check in with Roger real quick? No, no, actually, just, I, I'm looking at the Ville, which is uh, mm-hmm. a good indicator of hail, but also a, a good indicator of where the heaviest stuff is. And if, and it's really right over Afton, just to the north of Melville. And that is pushing directly towards downtown St. Louis. And again, why the airport would be in a bit of a shelter in place mode. But that's the heaviest cell right now is right over Afton, pushing towards St. Louis. Again, we have a tornado warning that has been issued or extended depending on where you are for western madison county northwestern st Clair county st louis city uh, east central st charles county and northeastern st louis county until 5 45 now and we've got meteorologist uh dave murray with us let's check now at 5 21 uh, because i'm looking at the camera roger brand of the michaels flooring outlet.com traffic center 6440 west at big bend is pretty dark right now yeah, and it's uh, backed up there, uh, Michael. In fact, you know, it's it's every every place is slow almost because of these intense rain showers. I'm just going to tell you where it's the worst. But 64 is a solid jam, like you said, from Kings Highway. It goes all the way to, almost to the Interbelt Big Bend Hanley area, southbound 170. You mentioned the strong uh, weather activity around there. The the heaviest backup is uh, from the Parkway down to 64 at that point. Westbound 44, you've got a roadwork jam, but it's only from about Elm to Big Bend. Now again, where it's not jammed, it's still slow. There's still standing water issues, so the pace is not at the speed limit. But the uh, heavy back up on the south 270 south of big bend down to ladue uh about clayton road down through doherty ferry and a little pocket again through 44 down toward about gravoy but again that slow going continues all the way into uh the uh jb bridge there 255 over to route 3 columbia 55 you've got that road work back up from most the poplar street bridge down to bates and then there's another jam up from uh weber down through union 
And uh, But again, slow going continues all the way down into Peevely just due to the weather. It's not as bad on the north side because the weather's not there yet. 70s is kind of slow. You mentioned the airport. Uh, some heavier traffic in general, both directions between the Blanchett Bridge and Lambert Field on Highway 70. And out to the west, there's some more volume, but it's uh, west of uh, T.R. Hughes, just some slow pockets in 64 in St. Charles County. The solid back you'd normally see even on a regular rush hour day from 364 on out to uh, Highway 70 in Wentzville right now. All right, thank you very much. That's Roger Brand in the MichaelsFlooringOutlet.com Traffic Center. This is the heart of rush hour, and it's the heart of the St. Louis metropolitan area that's now under a tornado warning. Uh, and meteorologist Dave Murray with us. Uh, they've uh, extended or, uh, the geographic area, it looks like, in St. Charles, and added Jersey County, Illinois, to the tornado warning, too. Right. That's, an, that's a new warning that has just come up. It covers uh, old Jamestown. It covers Grafton. It Alton was already in one. They're right on the line. It covers Godfrey. And then up to the north, it's not quite at Jerseyville, but it's pretty close. Otterville, you're right on the line. Brighton in Illinois, you're also right on the line. But that's that, that's kind of the cell that started all this that uh, was, was cooking uh, down around Ellisville. And that is now right over Florissant. And that cell is pushing to the north and to the northeast. So that's that's the heart of this thing around Hazelwood. And then there's a secondary cell that is right over downtown St. Louis, Maplewood, Cahokia, Afton, Dupo, Melville, down to about Oakville and Columbia in uh, Illinois. And, and folks who live in Brooklyn, Madison, Granite City, you're in some very heavy rain right now, uh, pushing towards Glen Carbon. So there's two distinct cells with this, but it's the cell that is is really uh, you know, associated in the heart of downtown St. Louis and just to the south. It's probably the meanest looking of this and then extends down through Waterloo, Redbud, and Evansville. Yeah, the language the National Weather Service uses is a severe thunderstorm capable of producing a tornado was located a few minutes ago over Bridgeton, um, and they still say that this is radar-indicated rotation. Now, there are a lot of folks on Twitter who have the, the radar app on their phone, and they're looking sure. for the hook that you're talking about. Some people say they've seen it. We've also had some scanner reports of um, a possible rotation that's been spotted near Ladue. Um, but uh, tell us, uh, again, that this is just a indication of a tornado you haven't Absolutely. seen anything yeah, on the radar I, that indicates i do not see any hooks at all on these radars usually when when you're scanning it just jumps right out at you there's no mistake about it and uh and uh, everybody's got the radar apps now on their phones i just caution anybody by using that and no, not knowing exactly what you're looking at and calling it a hook because i'm scanning all through this stuff I do not, and I'm in really tight, and I just don't see, and believe me, if I saw a hook, I'd be all excited about it. And I just, I just don't see that right now. And uh, taking a lot of straight line winds, but I don't see, uh, I don't see any hooks. And earlier they were saying the the severe thunderstorm warnings were for a um, up to 70 mile per hour wind gust. So we still seeing that? Oh yeah, absolutely, because it is this large scale squall line that is coming through. So it, uh, it, it, yeah, that, and Molly's kind of worried more about straight line winds than anything else because they affect a lot more people than the possibility of an isolated touchdown of a tornado. That's not to underestimate what a small tornado can do, but the straight line winds can do a lot of damage to rooftops, power lines, and trees in a very short period of time.
And for these folks, uh, again, I'm looking at the cameras, and the interstates are relatively busy right now. We just heard Roger Brand uh, give uh, an almost two-minute traffic report, I believe. 6440 West at Big Bend, seeing countless headlights. If you're in one of those cars, what do you what do you look for? I mean, is hail a possibility with this? At what point do you decide to pull over? And then do you wait for the la- the next exit? Do you look for a gas station? What do you do? Where do you go? You know, you, you have to kind of be, you know... It- it's a it's a commute, so you probably know your commute pretty well. You probably know exactly where a, a possible safe place would be. Not seeing a lot of hail. There is some hail, pea size, maybe up to nickel size. Uh, it's the quarter size hail that that we start to really worry about as far as cracking windshields and and things like that. So it's it's my my man. It's so tough in a car. Is that an overpass? If you can get under an overpass, which they're probably all filled up right now, uh, that that would be that's a great place to be if you can get off and exit. If you just it's that oh feeling. If you have an oh feeling and you're driving, you know, get off the next exit and, and try to get to a gas station or uh, you know a convenience store or whatever, and and get inside. If uh, if you feel unsafe, that's the time to really act. Now, if um, they're near a, a ditch, perhaps, it, what's the lightning situation with this? Is that a safe and, place and to see, go? See, that's the that's the problem with with getting into a ditch. You have the possibility of some flash flooding because these rains are so intense. You have the possibility of hail. You have the possibility of of lifting yourself right into these straight line winds. So it's uh, a ditch. A ditch is kind of last resort, and that's if you actually see a tornado. And it's really close to you. You want to get out of the car because the the car can be lifted up very very quickly by a twister. And and looking at some of the local storm reports that are coming in, and, and Dave, you can talk about how these are from you know trained spotters or law enforcement. These are not just uh, tweets that are going out there. When the National Weather Service passes along a storm report, it's been vetted. They they're relatively confident that it has happened. Exactly, exactly. They're they're coming from uh, you know police departments, state police. They're coming from trained spotters. Uh, you know, they will if they get one that that they don't know the source, they they may may make some quick calls and say, okay, what do you, what are you seeing out here? What are you hearing? Because they know exactly where all the spotters are, and uh, and they they are able to home in on, on these folks very very quickly and say, okay, I need your eyes, I need your eyes right now. And of course, we have all the traffic cameras too, and that's helping an awful lot. It is. We're going to check in with Roger Brand coming up in a minute, but uh, I want to tell you that uh, among those local storm reports from the National Weather Service, Clarkson Valley, a photo shows a tree down across Strecker Road uh, in uh, Pacific in St. Louis County, a report of a tree down on Model Realty Road, uh, trees down at Crown Ridge and Ridge Meadow Drive and at River Bend and River Valley Drive in Maryland Heights. Uh, in St. Anne, we've got 75 quarters uh, of an inch of hail and point. 70 in Columbia in Monroe County. Uh, That's Common- a pretty good hailstone. Yeah, that's that, a pretty good hailstone. Also nickel to quarter size in uh, uptown Collinsville, Illinois, in Madison County. That's what you were talking about. Once it gets to that size, it can pose a threat to your windshield. Right. And, and uh, windows in a house, windows in an office building, anything above quarter size, we, we really start to uh, to be a little bit concerned about it. You get up to golf ball size and you're talking some major damage from that. Luckily, we don't see that a heck of a lot in the St. Louis area, but it certainly can happen. So just to reset uh, real quick, we've got a tornado warning, a tornado warning, which has been issued for Madison County, Jersey County, St. Charles County, St. Louis County, St. Louis City until 
5.45, and uh, it is 5.30 right now on KMOX. I'm Michael Calhoun in the Air Comfort Service Storm Center alongside KMOX meteorologist Dave Murray. And let's take you now to the michaelsflooringoutlet.com traffic center. Uh, Roger Brand, um, I don't know if you're seeing this. I'm looking at the camera on 55 at Loftborough, and uh, 55 is completely flooded. Uh, we don't have any cars that are getting through. I see two or three that look like they're just listing in the water. Um it, it looks like a bad situation on 55 at Loughborough. Yeah, I just uh, tweeted that out uh, a couple of minutes ago, Michael. You're right. It is. It's completely flooded. A tractor trailer just went through, and somebody sort of followed in his wake on the southbound side. But you can see, uh, uh, if you're looking, well, you are looking at it, obviously, but there's a couple cars stranded northbound. It's just completely flooded right there at Loughborough. Storm drains clog, and when you get these downpours, I mean, you know, We've had that situation. I was just taking a look, as a matter of fact, on a 64 at uh, Hampton Kings Highway, because in the past that's been an issue. But right now it's not. It's very dark uh, west of Hampton, but uh, traffic is getting through there, so it's not a big standing water issue. But like you said, right now it's, it's effectively closed. 55 is effectively closed at Loughborough because of clogged storm drains and the heavy downpours. It is completely flooded. People are just parked right now, and some of them are stranded in the water. Uh, just waiting for, uh, I guess, MoDOT or somebody to come and relieve those storm drains. And, of course, you know, fire department will get out, I guess, but uh, MoDOT most likely are going to be the ones dealing with that. By the way, Southbound 55 right now is a solid jam from almost the Poplar Street Bridge down to that uh, closure, that flooding at Loughborough. So, uh, you know, if you're close to uh, 44 coming out of downtown, get on 44 and go westbound. Now, it's a little slow due to the weather, but it gets better the further west you go. So you're not going to make it through on 55 right now. I'm not sure how long it'll take to clear that problem. Southbound 270 from Page down through 44 is pretty busy right now. 255 around the JB Bridge both ways. Of course, construction zones tend to flood. And I mentioned that jam on 64 from Grand almost all the way out to the Interbelt. It's still pretty solid. All right, thank you very much, Roger Brand, uh, in the MichaelsFlooringOutlet.com Traffic Center, and uh, KMOX meteorologist Dave Murray. Um, this is this is just an indication of how much rain we've gotten. That fifty-five is it's it's incredible to look at on the camera. It looks yeah. like the water is up past uh, the bottom of people's doors on their vehicles. Yeah, and that's not a surprise here. I'm looking. Uh, I'm doing a bit of a cross section on the Doppler radar and looking where the heaviest rain is right now. And it's right along 55. It's Melville over to Dupo, up to Cahokia, just to the south of downtown St. Louis. That is probably the most intense part of this action right now. Some straight-line winds also with that. But, uh, boy, just just on the east side, some tremendous rainfall there. And that's exactly what Roger was talking about. doesn't take very long to... Uh, to create some flood situations on the highways. You know, the drains get clogged and and that's it. It just it just goes and goes and goes. There's a truck that's attempting it. Looks like it's got a yeah. load of uh, a lot of wood in the back and it's a tractor trailer that is going very slowly uh but it's trying to make it through the water. Looks like the water might be almost up to uh, 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 over the tires on that, but all of these cars, and they're not parked in a row, they're not stopped neatly like you would expect on an interstate, they're askew, they're all over the place. Some of them look look like they're floating, we don't necessarily know that that's the case. More drivers trying to make their way through. And Dave, um, you know, we, we're on the air because of a tornado warning, but this amount of rain uh, really uh, uh, moves us to remind people about the National Weather Service slogan, turn around, don't drown. Exactly. And the reason we say that is that when a road is flooded and an intense rainfall like we've been seeing, you don't really know what's there. 
You don't know if the road is there. You don't know exactly where the road is located. And it's just, it's much safer to kind of pull back and say, look, again, this is only going to last a short period of time. The floodwaters will go down as quickly as they come up. And there will be some flooding on the small streams and creeks because of the same thing, up up very quickly, down very quickly. But I know everybody wants to get home. Everybody's in a rush, all that stuff. But you really need to slow down and say, I don't think I want to do that right now. I think I should wait. Again, wait 20 minutes, and then you're probably going to be fine. And some of the areas that we we were talking about 34 minutes ago, uh, 35 minutes ago, when we began this uh, continuous coverage of a tornado warning, which has been issued for uh, all of the counties in the heart of the St. Louis metropolitan area. This was over Ellisville at the time. I see a picture on Twitter now uh, that looks like a clearing sky, not quite a yes. rainbow in Ellisville. Yeah, no question. You know, where all this started quite a while ago, uh, folks who live in O'Fallon, Weldon Springs, Chesterfield, Wildwood, Eureka, not necessarily you know, it's still raining, but you're out of the severe threat completely. The, uh, the, there's some real heavy rain around Florissant and Berkeley, uh, pushing towards old Jamestown. But the heaviest rain right in the heart of St. Louis. Michael, I bet if you look out your window, you're saying, wow, it is just pouring downtown. And that's very close to uh, Collinsville, starting to get on the edge of very heavy rain down through Millstadt. Uh, Afton, Melville, Oakville, you're just about out of the real heavy stuff. So there's just a little wedge of real heavy rain centered on downtown St. Louis. That is approaching uh, uh, Troy, Edwardsville, Roxana, Alton, Bethalto. That's still headed your way. And you're not seeing much right now, but it's definitely headed your way. Belleville, right on the edge of some heavy rain. Freeburg, you're in the heavy rain. New Baden, you're on the you're on the edge. Probably about ten minutes, you're going to see some very heavy rain. New Athens got some heavy rain right now. Marissa, all these towns that we were talking about was headed your way. Sparta, you're right on the edge of it. Steelville, you're right on the edge. Chester probably have one more little batch coming through and then that will be out of the picture there but it's uh yeah you know it's rocking and rolling a lot of heavy rain a lot of lightning a lot of thunder certainly noisy straight line wind still of 60 to 70 miles per hour still possible in this stuff but it should all be done by seven o'clock at the latest and all the warnings will come down and the watches will come down at that point Looks like a rock and roll outside the, uh, I have my window, which looks into Studio B, and then the Studio B windows to downtown St. Louis. And um, I can see Trish Gazelle and Brian Kelly in Studio B. One of you want to hop onto a mic and uh, describe what's going on? Uh, the wind is ferocious, and it looks like it's raining sideways. What are you seeing? Yeah, it's raining sideways. There's a smaller tree right outside here that's just as tall as we are here on, what, the third level? And it is, it's blowing like one of those uh, blow-up guys you see outside a car dealership. <laughs> it is really, really blowing out yeah, there. Yeah, and we, I walked outside to the parking garage. It's like it, it's raining so hard sideways, it's like it's raining in the parking garage. It's crazy. And it's been doing it for a while. A lot of times you'll see this and it'll just hit and be done. But it's been blowing and raining like this for probably, what, 10 or 15 minutes at least, Trish? Yeah, definitely. And we were looking out to an empty parking lot, and you could see the rain pattern moving in a circle Mm. on the parking lot. It was, it's insane out there. And Dave, it seems like um, 
the the heart of this is is moving toward uh, downtown St. Louis right now. Yeah, St. Louis downtown St. Louis is right in the middle of it now. For about another five to ten minutes, the heavy rain should end at that point. And now a new watch has just gone up for a lot of folks in Illinois, including Muscoota. This is a severe thunderstorm warning. Uh, Muscoota, Breeze, Centralia, Irvington, Nashville. You have just gone uh, Coulterville. You've just kind of gone under a new severe thunderstorm warning. But that's what you would expect as everything starts to shift to the east and to the northeast. And as quickly as it does that, that's when the the watch, the tornado watch that's up for the area will also come down right behind that. Those those the watches come down very, very quickly. There's still those two tornado warnings. Actually, the tornado warning that was in effect for St. Louis and Ladue, that has just been dropped. It's been shrunk. Uh, it's now in effect for Alton, Bethalto and Edwardsville and uh, pushing towards Hamill and Warden in Illinois. So that particular warning has been shrunk a little bit. It's really the, the best place to, to find that tornado is right on the leading edge of these kind of storms. The warning that's in effect for fluorescent up through Godfrey and Brighton, I anticipate that will come down very, very shortly. And uh, it's becoming, it, it really is becoming a, a high wind, heavy, heavy rain situation with a lot of thunder and lightning. If you're on 55, stay tuned. In 60 seconds, we're going to take you to Roger Brand for the latest on the water that you're encountering. 55 Loughborough, long line at 55 and Arsenal, so stay tuned. Uh, but, uh, Dave, you, you, people hear, okay, severe thunderstorm warning. That's not going to be as bad as the tornado warning that we're on the air for. But 70-mile-per-hour wind gusts, we have seen quarter-sized hail in some parts of the region. That's a yeah. threat, too. And and it's, you know, I, again, uh, uh the the difference between a tornado warning severe thunderstorm warning is that a tornado has been indicated by radar or a spotter most of these have been by radar indication and it's usually for a relatively small area in contrast a severe thunderstorm warning affects a lot more people and and that's what we're seeing right now you may not necessarily be under a tornado warning but you're probably under a severe thunderstorm warning and it's doing its thing. And when we, we get into that, we're talking the possibility of some large hail and the damaging straight line winds. A severe thunderstorm warning is not issued for torrential rain. That becomes more of a, a flash flood type situation, thunder and lightning. That's a thunderstorm. That's what happens in thunderstorms. You start to cross the line when you get into winds over 55 miles per hour and the, and larger hail, quarter size or larger are the two things we really look for. But a a severe thunderstorm warning usually covers a lot more people than a tornado warning because that's more of a pinpoint location. If you are out and about and you've uh, spotted some damage, maybe there's a hazard that other people should know about, uh, give us a call, 314-436-7900. And Dave, the tornado warning for uh, northeastern St. Louis County, that's what's been canceled. So, for instance, Lambert Airport, are they out of the woods at this point? Yes, and the tornado warning that that was was also up for Ferguson and Florissant up to Portage to Sioux that has just been dropped too. So the only tornado warning that's in effect is covering towns of Alton, Bethalto, Wood River, Hartford, over to Edwardsville. That's the last of the tornado warnings. It's a very small warning box. Again, I'm not seeing any hooks in here. 
but there's certainly straight line winds coming out of that thing. And a small spin up tornado is still certainly possible, which is why that warning's in effect. Again, it's becoming much more of a heavy, a fast, heavy rain situation, a lot of thunder and lightning and damaging winds with a, a squall line type thing that's pushing the squall line is most intense pushing towards Carlisle, Centralia, and Nashville in Illinois. And Tilden, you're under it right now. Freeburg, you're just about out of it. So again, about 20 minutes, bang, it's gone. Yeah, we've got five minutes remaining in the tornado warning. But uh, we came on thinking... All right, that was Radio Connection Live coverage from KMOX of the tornado that took place there a couple of weeks ago. And our thoughts and prayers are with those devastated by that really horrific uh, tornado over in St. Louis. And again, thanks to KMOX for the air checks. This very special Best of Radio Connection Live is produced by JT Productions in association with Air Checks and Associates. Special thanks to executive producer and creator, yours truly, Jamie T. Production assistance provided by Tim O'Connor as well as audio provided by Tim O'Connor. Ashley Lynn is our social media princess with assistance from Preston Gaylor and Chris Newsbaum. AJ Bowen is our news contributor. And again, a big thanks goes out to KMOX in St. Louis, Missouri, as well as WOAI in San Antonio, Texas, for uh, bringing us the audio that you heard on the program today. I'm Jamie T. And make sure you follow us throughout the week on Facebook and Twitter. Our Facebook is at radio is um, facebook.com slash radio connection live. Our Twitter is at RCL the podcast. And if you have a news tip for us, you can email RCL the podcast at gmail.com. Be sure to join us next week when we're back to our regular program. I'll be here and the rest of the guys will be here and we hope you will be too. For the entire RCL team, this is Jamie T saying we'll see you next time. And as always, together, let's Keep radio alive. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to Radio Connection Live, the podcast. Radio Connection Live is produced by JT Productions in association with Air Jackson Associates. Executive producer and creator, Jamie T. Production assistance provided by Tim O'Connor. Ashley Lynn is our social media princess. With assistance from Preston Gaylor and Chris Newsbaum. A.J. Bowen is our news contributor. Special thanks to the good folks at RadioInsight.com as well as InsideRadio.com for our news nuggets. We're in touch, so you're in touch. We invite you to contact us. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. You can also email rclthepodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to join us again next week for another fast-moving edition of Radio Connection Live, the podcast. Until next time, this is John Williard saying, together, let's keep radio alive. On the wrong end of the highway, when the long night has no end, when there's no one there beside me. Till I hold you once again Thank God for the radio When I'm on the road When I'm far from home Feeling blue Thank God for the radio 
Playing all night long Playing all the songs that mean so much to me and you There's a song that we first danced to There's a song they played the night we met And there's a song we first made love to That's a song I'll never forget So thank God for the radio When I'm on the road When I'm far from home Feeling blue Thank God for the radio Playing all night long Playing all the songs That mean so much to me Thank God for the radio. 